0: Do you remember when I was like, yo, did you guys catch a giant dick? (laughs) (laughs) And you were both like, what? What the, what did you watch? We said Fight Club. What the hell are you, (laughs) not nightclub, but What the hell you've been watching. (laughs) I was like, no, 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 no. There's a a giant dick at the end of the film.
1: Welcome, 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 dear listeners, to the Season 2 premiere of Back to the Pictures. Thank you for joining us as we take you for a trip down memory lane. But, as Mrs. Doubtfire once said, you don't have to pack your bags because we're going in our minds. This is, if you forgot, the movie review podcast that urges listeners don't talk to anyone, don't touch anything, don't do anything, don't interact with anyone, and try not to look at anything. Just listen to our dulcet tones and you'll be in good hands. We are three university friends who lived, studied, and danced to Candy by Cameo together in Manchester between 2005 and 2009. Somewhere in between these three activities, we watched an ungodly amount of movies. Now, in our ever cynical and existential 30s, we think it's a perfect time to rewind, rewatch, recontextualize, and if necessary, ravage these treasured movies from our past. Join us as we dust off motion pictures, movies, flicks, films, features, and of course, pictures from a simpler time. We're only just getting started. This is our 14th episode overall, our season 2 premiere, and we would like to ask you, uh, humbly, if you even half like the show. If it even gives you cause to smile for one moment of your day please hit that subscribe button for us. If you want to give the extra mile, please leave a generous review. We want to grow our audience. We've had some really cool but random locations. People downloading from Europe, uh, Asia, North America, South America. uh, Either that or there are some very elaborate VPNs. Either way, we want more. So please, let us be heard and help spread the word. All right, with that being said, down to business. I am one of your hosts, Ben Ian had bitch tits. Rose? <laughs> I'm Anton. You are not your job. You're not how
0: much money you have in the bank.
2: Ogundimu? I am Ian. Sticking feathers up your butt does not make you a chicken. Green. And what's your last name? I was going to say, <laughs> he, he's been so He's so involved, he's
0: so invested in the film now. He's like, we have no names in Project Mayhem. Only in death. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Green.
3: <laughs>
1: Alright then. Well, tell me, Dr. Green, where are we going this time?
2: The year is 1999 and the movie is Fight Club.
1: Fight Club. Well, I mean, this podcast is over before it started because there's only, you can't talk about Fight Club. So what are we going to do? So we're done. <laughs> See you next week. Bye!
3: Bye. <laughs>
2: All our reviewed movies are rated U. This stands for university standard. And seeing as students generally have lower standards than most other classes of people, viewer discretion is advised.
1: This is a film written for the screen by a unknown writer called Jim Ullis. Um, it's actually spelled U-H-L-S, but when I looked it up, that's how you pronounce it. Um, uh-huh. He's only ever written two scripts, one of them being Fight Club, the other being Jumper. Has anyone ever seen that? Oh, yeah. You've nope. seen jumper? I've never seen it. I'm thinking of something completely different, aren't I?
2: Isn't the one with Hayden Christensen? <laughs> it's the one with
1: Hayden Christensen, isn't it? Is it?
2: Where he like it... has a? he's got
1: superpowers. I thought it was like the story of Ralph Lauren or something. Like guy makes jumpers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> never, never seen it. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's the superpower one. It's got quite a few people in it. That's isn't like not Samuel Jackson. Is it Samuel Jackson? I don't know. He's. I just see him in everything. Um, he, I'm pretty sure he's the antagonist in it. I had to look this up. Well, either way,
1: Fight Club wins, uh, <laughs> being probably one of the best scripts ever written. And did you know that it didn't even get nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay in 1999? It went to a movie called Gods and Monsters. Never heard of it. No idea what that is, yeah.
0: <laughs> that sounds a little slightly familiar, but again, still, no, still nothing as well.
2: Well, wasn't there a lot of stuff that not a lot of people believed in this film? As it's been, and to be fair, it's fucking weird. It's a weird film, so I kind of get it.
0: But. I mean, even in itself though. At, at the time, at the time the film came out, it just it was it was it was a mediocre reception for the most part, um, and a lot of a lot of studios were, and a lot of the kind of executives didn't think it was it was. They thought it was just basically too much, and it was, they were a little bit worried or weird
1: about the potential reaction that it would get because of the content of it well it's uh it had a hard time finding a studio because when sure. fox were cautiously developing it they they were unsure based on well as you said the dangerous themes for the american populace to consider at the time exactly um, that. if the studio thought that this movie would Strike up sedition in 1999. Can you imagine after January 6th, capital attack today? (laughs) Sedition is like the dirtiest word in the dictionary. True, true. (laughs) At least in, at least in the Webster's version. But like the, I mean, this film is just so dangerous. Studios, uh, sorry, the studio used, um, an older technique to see if the film was viable because they, the script was not formulaic. Uh, it did. It wasn't traditional Hollywood structure, so they were like, "What the fuck do we do with it?" So they brought in actors to yeah. read the script to determine its length, and six hours. it came in at six hours. Six <laughs> hours.
0: Yeah, That's ma- unpaid actors. My ad. So these people yeah. came and read
1: for six hours, unpaid. Yeah, absolutely. Paid. paid. Went on their CV. Yeah. and in the end, Fox Fox paid ten grand for Fight Club. Yeah, for the rights. Originally written by Chuck Ten Palinwick. 10-fucking-K. Palin,
0: Palin, Palin, Palinwick. 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 I thought it was Paul, Palin, Palin, Palinwick. 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 Palin- Palindrome. Palinwick. <laughs> yeah, original writer of the original book.
2: So are we saying like someone got screwed out of a lot of money, or is that just like the go-in? He did, yeah. Palinwick so, did. So did he get, because he's obviously a, Co-writer in this, right? So this, I was actually trying to figure this
0: out. So he sold the rights for ten thousand to the studio, mm. but did he then get anything
1: for? Well, obviously, I, I say that like it was some. He's not credited. Incredible... He's not credited as a as a co-writer. Really, the way this script came together, yeah, the way this script came together, you you have to marvel at it. They took um advice. Like first of all, Polanek said that he couldn't believe how how fantastic the adaption was in the end. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I didn't even think I could make a script or a film out of my book. And it was fucking phenomenal. And that goes to the credit should go to the director, David Fincher, but we'll get back to him in a minute with um and Nick, this uh, he, he handed the script over um, Fincher uh, took it to a lot of uh, famous directors asking for input. Yeah. He took it to Cameron Crowe, for advice um, and other people of that ilk, uh, and even uh, when once they were cast, Brad Pitt and Ed Norton were asked to help revise. And they yeah. did five drafts between five drafts. You know, there was, was something yeah, like three between, the, they, between them. They did something like
0: they like. Oles uh, and Fincher did something like three and um, three drafts in six months, and then in another year they did another five. I think with. The,
1: with the actors as well, it's absolutely nuts.
0: How do you put that much no time in as an film. actor as
1: well? I, I don't know. No That's film I understand. comes together like this. No film. But, but then that was the power of the book. The books. The book was um, published in 1996, and David Fincher was so taken with the book that he was so up for this project. He put aside his dispute with Fox over how shit they handled Alien Three.
0: Alien Three. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I'm sorry, we we really need to talk about David Fincher. He we, we need to compartmentalize. It was like a New Year's resolution we gave ourselves for this season is like we could talk about his films forever. Yeah. You know, his True. body of work it would take hours. But True. um yeah, he's responsible for some of the best films of all time except Alien 3. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't know, if, I, if
1: somebody would believe that the person who wrote, uh, sorry, the person that directed Fight Club also directed Alien 3, you wouldn't,
0: I wouldn't believe. It's pretty funny, because obviously, you know, I know you guys are big, big, big Alien fans, Ian even more so, a major thing for Ripley, but um, obviously I hadn't watched Aliens, and Aliens, ex- and just the whole saga, so I remember obviously I was just like, oh yeah, literally been texting the group, Alien, yeah, actually, I get it now, it really holds up, Aliens, Aliens, oh my god, that's that. The, the, the mother the mother's fighting I really get it and then <laughs> he was just like stop stop <laughs> <laughs> and I've started I've started Alien 3 oh I'm sorry but I have I've, I've, I have to admit it's kind of put me off kind of going a little bit further forward now I, I don't know whether or not to to continue
2: I mean Alien 3 is bad um, and then when you see Alien 4 Alien 3 doesn't feel that bad <laughs> you're like actually Alien 3 was quite reasonable <laughs>
1: It was misunderstood. So, I'm gonna say I I thought Resurrection was better than three. Oh, oh that hurts. <laughs> yeah, big titted Alien aside, I think that <laughs> it, it was uh, it had things in it that Alien Three didn't have, like, you know, a a fucking plot and action. <laughs> uh, you know. Anyway. So this is what I'm saying. We can't, you know, we take we can't take up too much time. I could talk forever about David fincher but um yeah the point is the 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 movie was like no one expected anything from it um and that's probably because the book is probably relatively speaking one of the weirdest books ever written at least in the top 100 books ever written yeah they uh, the these guys the the producers and and fincher they had to fight for everything that this movie is yeah there's so much shit from the novel that they Fox were like, this is unfucking filmable.
0: I was gonna say some of this, like the studio heads, they they started trying to siphon money from it because they thought, oh, it's not going to be a success, so they started taking money out of the budget. And it wasn't till Get, like their I, own production <laughs> of their own production, literally, and and to the point where I think I can't remember the exact names, but like they, I think it was Regency Media was one film was the one uh, like funding the mm. sixty five 5-ish million, I think it was, that they had eventually had for the budget, which was, which in itself was like 15 million or above what they wanted to give. Um, and they were like, look, if you don't stop now, we're going to take the whole freaking budget away. <laughs> it's like, we're, we're, <laughs> we're done. And then eventually, I think it was um, Fincher who was like, look, take a look at this, and he showed them some of the dailies from the film, and they were like, okay, that doesn't look too
1: bad." I was a... I mean, only on a superfluous level or on a shallow level, but in 1999, I was a massive moviegoer. I was a kid, you know, I was a teenager. We, I went to the cinema every weekend, and I do not remember a single fucking poster, trailer, or any kind of hype for this film at all. I didn't know it existed until it came out on VHS and DVD. Absolute Fight Club, right, was one of those films where I
0: thought it came out later than it did. Because of that exact reason. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it came out in, what month did it came out? It, it came out in September. 10, so, September 1999, right? Um, late 1999. So, I'd have been in year nine. At that. Can you, I literally can, now, nah, fair enough, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to kind of remember any major posters that came out then. But still, you'd think something like that would just would just kind of hit. It just It wasn't until much later. Like I said, it became a cult
2: classic. It's it's really hard to uh, to market a film like this because everything you put out, Fight Club, Brad Pitt, everyone's bruised, battered, got ridiculous bodies. So you go to see the film, and the first hour of it is watching people in therapy, and you're just like, I, I thought Eve, this was a fight, and feel like.
0: Here's the funny thing, though. Even this is to kind of go a little bit more further into the film. The whole film itself is about what advertising has done to basically Generation X, et cetera. So it's like. You're almost yeah. marketing the film that's talking about why you shouldn't be marketing. Do <laughs> you know what I
1: mean? And it's just... its Maybe in a weird way, that's what they were going for. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> we want it? <marketing. laughs> They're like, I'm sorry, but we're just going to be huge fucking hypocrites if we market this film. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was all about Generation X, who were the first generation to be raised, basically, by the TV. Exactly. Uh, I-, I like to think we're actually on the cusp. Te- technically, the we three are- of us are millennials. But we share a lot of the same lineage as Generation X. It basically takes you up till the end of the 80s, uh, and then the Millennials are anyone who was uh, coming of age during the millennium. So anyone who was becoming, who was going from childhood to adulthood during uh, the year 2000, which is exactly us. But you're no, you you're absolutely right. There's just there's not enough time in the world to talk about how underwhelming this movie was at the box office and critically as well at the time true true. true. overshadowed by lesser movies uh, and it obviously rose to uh, a cult classic status but now quite rightly it's considered one of the best films ever made and definitely the defining movie of generation x there is just so like the research for this you know, like
0: normally when we do research on like these films, it's like, oh, you, I, I, I know, my standard thing is I read the Wikipedia page, read some INDB, some of the stuff I already know, watch the film, take my own notes, done. Like there, is, there was not enough time <laughs> to do the, like there is, there's, a, there's a whole Wikipedia page on the interpretations of Fight Club, which is classified genre classifications, right? Retro noir, slumming trauma, consumerist culture, homoeroticism fascism. I was like this is just, <laughs> this is an article just about the theories if you will of Fight Club. There's so much that this is defined and taken on by this film it's and it's and in a weird way anyway we're, we're, we're going to go into it and we're going to go into it but in a weird way it just it almost holds up probably more now than it did then.
1: Um luckily the cast is quite small so we'll be able True. to get through that quite quickly. I mean really isn't that many people in it who are I mean, fucking the main parts not even got a name. So um, exactly that. The yeah. So but it stars um, frequent uh, Fincher uh, collaborator Brad Pitt because he's been in at least three of Fincher's films off the top of my head. Um, he plays Tyler Durden. Uh, Ed Norton, who is, you know, it's got to be one of the best actors of his generation. Uh, he plays the narrator. We'll explain mm. why he's called the narrator um, when we go dive into stuff. Um, Helena Bonham Carter. Everyone, yes, you know me. I'm I, I'm always really interested in who who would have who would have been as in like the people
0: that would have been yeah. there and, and whether or not it kind of sits in. So, and we say, funny enough, they were born to play those roles. There are some people who quite literally were those roles and they wanted them to be in those roles. So Courtney Love, for example, oh, she well, just played cool. herself.
2: <laughs> My God, they could yeah, exactly. She, just is, out and she is Marla her. Singer. She
0: literally is Marla Singer. Winona Ryder. Again, yeah. she would have she would have nailed that. Age-wise, I'm not too sure. But who they really wanted. Now, this is where it gets a little bit weird. Reese Witherspoon. Really? What? How old would she have been back then? That was exactly why she didn't get the part, apparently. Because um, she felt did cool Intentions too young. in
1: 1999, playing like,
0: like a 16-year-old. Do you know what I mean? I was like, Reese Witherspoon, one of the cleanest, like, <laughs> handy, <laughs> middle America looking that- Really? So we need a
2: crackhead.
0: (laughs) 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 Pretty much, pretty much. Although Fincher's first choice was someone I don't really know too well. You probably, I I reckon you probably know um, a little bit. Janine Garofalo. Really? Apparently so. Wait, is that a fact? To the point where Fincher said that, oh, she did, she turned it down because she didn't agree with a lot of some of the extra, the sexual kind of connotations and things that they had to but do she's,
1: she's like, I can't see her as a serious I don't, actress. I don't. She's a he, comedian. She's a
0: comedian, a comedian, exactly that. But at the same time, she says she actually, um, she said Norton was like, um, I don't think she's a good choice for it, which
1: I probably had to agree yeah. with, to be fair. It's true. Ian, have exactly you, you that? watched Saturday Night Live, right? Yeah. She's She was a huge uh, Saturday Night Live cast member. Um, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Trying to
1: think what you would have seen her and she's done a lot of tv it's it's annoying because um, one of those things where it's like i can't name her from anything other
0: other than like live shows do you know what i mean so i can't tell you anything she's in but when i saw her face it was like yeah yeah i know who that i know who that is and then uh <laughs> a lot of bit parts absolutely absolutely and then tyler durden originally um was almost <laughs> i don't know if i don't know if you guys will know this no Eve will know this story. I will, Making movies, making songs, and fighting round the world. <laughs> and fighting round the world.
1: <laughs>
0: Russell Crowe. It was almost that was going to be Tyler Dead. Man. which I, in a way I, can, really? I I do kind of see it. I do kind of see it. Well,
2: yeah. I you think, think Fight Club was like his his gang?
1: Yeah, pretty much.
2: <laughs> do you think reading <laughs> the script and being Crow like, in Fight "This Club? just exactly is like this." This script just screams Russell Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> he's not. He's not.
0: He's not. I just yep. got this image up. Right? There's Russell Crowe's fighting, right? And they're like, "Russell, why are you here?" And he's
2: like, <laughs> I, "I have we're fighting." The first row Fight Club. Did you talk about Fight
0: Club. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, "Russell, leave.
1: Fight Club isn't real."
3: <laughs>
0: oh,
1: Honestly, you could that this movie. If somebody said Russell Crowe in Fight Club, I'd be like, "It's just a documentary about him." Exactly. <laughs> Oh, and then finally, of
0: course, in in terms of uh, it, I literally couldn't see him as anyone else other than Ed Norton. But it was going to be Matt Damon that they wanted originally because they wanted a "quote Matt unquote" Damon. sexier marquee name. But then they also thought about Sean Penn, which again I do kind of see that
1: actually. Mm. No, he been. I'll, I'll look, go into my reasons why it couldn't be anyone but Norton. But oh, of yeah. course, I'm, I mean, I mean, yeah, obviously, I, 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 there's no other. The the cast is perfect, like. Literally perfect. Those those three, uh, Carter and Pitt and Norton are just incredible. Exactly casting, exactly and um, yeah, I, I, I to be fair, the the character that troubles me the most is Marla. She's so fucked up.
2: <laughs> but you yeah, know, there's a line.
1: Away. There's a there's a line uh, that she says in the in the film, which was a compromise because the first line was considered just too dark and uh, tell me if you know this one but in in the film she's um she's just had a session with Tyler Durden i i know, uh, i know exactly i, know, I was
0: thinking that it's going it, to be yeah. that
1: exact line of course it is yeah so it's it was a rather intense lovemaking session and marla says i haven't been fucked like that since grade school <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember. I remember that. Right? So. That's the line that the studio allowed. What the that's hell what was the, the That's original? the line that they said was okay. Do you want to know what the original was? Oh. Oh. Go on. She says, that was so good. I want to have your abortion. <laughs> Fuck me. But, but, <laughs> Which line do you think is worse? I think it's. I don't think it's the abortion line, but to a conservative American, uh, I think America. Shepherd. Oh yeah, my God, yeah, that is. They were like, "We're fine with pedophilia, but no, no, no abortion." Fucking yeah. <laughs> Agreed. America.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Ugh. I haven't been fucked. We can't. We can't, awesome. <laughs> we can't let her have a choice. We can't let her have a choice.
1: Yeah. Give her the senior Having dick. Sex as a grade school, like, is a choice. <laughs> he, give her the senior dick. It's like what? The, what the? Fuck? <laughs> I think it's, it's slightly ambiguous because oh, grade no. school is, uh, I as know, I understand it, it, could... it, grade school is like is post kindergarten all the way up to like a senior in high school, right? Really? I
0: thought grade was anything, be- wasn't it? Uh, I suppose anything with a grade, really, isn't it? But it's like I don't know. Either way, it was, It was. It was not.
1: But it's, it's like a, it's though. like us with with school, you know. If you could say I was in year one to year six, and then I went to high school, and I was in year seven to
2: eleven, it's just so, continue. So she's saying like primary school then, or is she saying like secondary? That's the primary implication. Abortion. Yeah, See, so that's the thing. Like a primary, primary school, yeah, grade grade is like primary school. Oh, fuck me,
0: this is fucking yeah. stuff, man. Ah,
1: oh. yeah, I'd have taken the abortion line. <laughs> I'd have taken the abortion <laughs> I line. I so Hundred percent. I I I just think it's hilarious that that was the line that they were they were upset about. <laughs> it's like, of course. Of course. They're like, we cannot promote abortion to the minds of America, but of if they want to have sex with grade schoolers, I'm okay with that. Fuck Roe v. Wade. <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. And in the That's end they did. This movie so... was way ahead of its time. <laughs> it's, it's just on. It's just so... Anyway. So yeah, the movie is Fight Club. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we've literally we've talked about every, everything else. <laughs> yeah. Nothing to do with Russell Crowe, we've established. Um, so the the term Fight Club, it deserves a tiny segment, right? It, it's well documented that uh, Paul and Nick was and is still an active member of the uh, Cacophony Society. Or Cacophony, sorry. Cacophony. That's how you say, isn't it? Mm, yeah. So this, is, this was a West Coast-based uh, gang. It's like a gathering of like-minded people wanting to experience the uh, Pursuits beyond mainstream society. So sounds like a dirty S and M club. Um, <laughs> that's so that's that's pretty much where he got the idea for Fight Club from. Uh, no one really knows what they do, but it's not the. This isn't certainly the first club of its kind in the seventies. There was the Suicide Club, um, and that had very little to do with suicide. It was actually random pranks on um, mainstream society. Uh, you know, taking aim at consumerism. Mm. Uh, these these guys infiltrated places, uh, and caused like ruckuses. They they infiltrated anything from churches to the Nazi party, you know. Like they they would play pranks on any anything and anyone that they thought was like so mainstream. It's called culture jamming, uh, culture which is a jamming. disruption to yeah, it's a disruption to corporate advertising. It's a you know, capitalist ideologies. Mm. So that's what Fight Club as a club is based on. All right, so uh, I think it's about time to play that trailer. Maestro, please, take it away. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Why? How much can you know about
3: yourself if you've never been in a fight? Wait, let me start earlier. Like many of you, I was stuck. You want me to deprioritize my current reports yeah. until you advise a
2: status upgrade? Make these your primary action items. I couldn't sleep. No, you can't die from insomnia. I'd flip through catalogs and wonder, what kind of dining set defines me as a person? This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time.
3: Welcome! I prayed for a different life. Soap. I make and I sell soap. And this is how I met Tyler Durden. Come on, hit me before I lose my nerve. Okay. You hit me in the ear! It was on the tip of everyone's tongue. Can I be next? We just gave it a name. Gentlemen, welcome to Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club is... Wow, nice. You do not talk about Fight Club. Is that your blood?
2: Some of it, yeah. After Fight Club, we all started seeing things differently. You're gonna have to keep me up, night she ruined everything you're not into are you no god not at all
3: We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and
2: rock stars but we won't he had a plan <laughs> to what purpose in tyler we trusted
3: We gotta take fight club up a notch each one of you has a homework assignment you're gonna start a fight with a total stranger it's not necessary. You're gonna lose. That hurt. You were looking for a way to change your life. You got it. I'm stopping this. It's already done, so shut up. What kind of sick game
1: are you playing? Oh my god. Where is my kids? Where, Where is
3: my mind? This is too much. In the end. If you could fight anyone, who would you fight? Shatner.
1: I'd fight William Shatner. So, moving forward, spoilers come thick and fast. Faster than M. Night Shyamalan shat himself after learning of this film's epic twist. So, if you want to pause (laughs) the podcast here, please do. And if you're not bothered, let's crack on. (laughs) Nice. So how about that twist? Yeah, we're going to have to get out of the way out. It, it,
0: we, we will not be able to speak about this film unless we just get out there.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: So we've agreed uh, We've agreed that we're going to tell you what the twist is. Sorry, this is to the listeners. We're going to tell you what the twist is of this film beforehand because it will literally inform everything we speak of from here on forward.
2: Tyler Durden and the narrator. Same person. Fucking boom! Boom! Mine blown. It's funny though, because like, they tell you it right, right at the start. I know this. Certainly do. Because Tyler knows this.
0: The abs- uh, reckon... abs from, there is so much allusion to... The, like watching. This is one of those films where after watching it the first time, you can go back and watch it again. And as you go back and watch it again, you can literally look for so many, many different elements and things. In a weird way, right? Watching the film, uh, after you know the twist, makes Marla a different character. Yes. Genuinely. Because she starts saying stuff and you're just like, Jesus Christ, she makes... And obviously she doesn't completely make sense because she's kind of crazy, but in some instances she actually does make sense. It, In a way, it validates her character to an extent when you when you understand and watch the twist. It's absolutely like, it's genius.
1: I
2: think as it well it really helps this film to to remind you that you are... And I, I love that they call him the narrator because you, this entire film is his perspective and his mind. Like, even the intro where you're flying through the brain at the start, I it took me a while to, to wrestle with this film and enjoy it. And I think it's because I kept having to remind myself that we're, we're, we're being told the story from the narrator and experiencing it as the narrator rather than, you know, someone forming our own opinions or or even seeing the world that they've built or nolan's built in this film you're not you're seeing the narrator's view of the world and the narrator's you know life i it, i, I it took me a while to it, grab it would be it. good
1: no no that would be amazing if if christopher nolan directed this film
2: oh shit who directed it <laughs> david
1: fincher david fincher, <laughs> <Or> david fincher. <laughs> David Fincher. thing is, I I I I, I have to admit, I, I think I threw you off because I was going on about Memento earlier, yeah, which is Christopher Nolan. It's, it's I was mistaking yeah. that for uh, for <laughs> David Fincher, so I'll, I'll let you off the hook. Cool. Funny thing, right?
0: So the Blu-ray of this, of this particular film, right? Um, I was I looked this up, and it's actually pretty hilarious, and I'm gonna have to also get a uh, search for a picture of this, so there may be a little bit of a delay. But so the Blu-ray of this when you put it in any Blu-ray thing or whatever doesn't have a title. And the whole purpose of that is because you don't talk about Fight Club. (laughs) So it's just black. It's just literally a disc, right? When you click on it, because of the whole, it's a whole thing about like consumerism and advertisement and stuff like that. When you click on it and finally go in, um, it, I think, is it, I can't remember what comes up first. I'm pretty sure it's the disclaimer that comes up first disclaimer about piracy. Um oh, yeah. and the disclaimer is fake. I'm gonna read out yeah, I'm gonna from read it. it's from Tyler Durden himself. So it's Tyler Durden's basically saying, um I'll see if I can find the actual picture itself. I I could have sworn i had already saved the screenshot but now I can't find it. But it literally is basically Tyler saying if you're reading this, I found it there you go. So it starts off I won't read the whole thing, but if you're reading this, then this warning is for you. Every word you read of this useless fine print is another second off your life don't you have other things to do right now? Is your life empty so that you honestly can't think of a better way to spend these moments? And it's so brilliant where it's like, it's so true. Like, I don't know if there are any listeners who do read disclaimers and I obviously don't mean to offend if they are, but I don't know anyone who reads the disclaimers. So the fact that you go through the minutia of actually reading disclaimer, Tyler's like, what the fuck are you doing (laughs) with your life? And it's so true. Then, when you go into it, finally, as when you go into the actual DVD itself, the menu is not Fight Club. It goes to Never Been Kissed, and it's a picture of Drew Barrymore. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> and then you have to like, so you have to like search around for like the menu thing and eventually you wait and it kind of breaks down into the menu to then go into the film. It's absolutely brilliant.
1: How many DVDs were taken back to the shop that they got them
0: from. To the point that the guy I was watching on YouTube who was doing this, he said he he had to turn it off. He was watching his PlayStation. He turned it off and pulled the disc out like twice just to make sure he had (laughs) the right disc. Twice! (laughs) To make sure he had the right disc and then put it back in. It's crazy.
2: Wow. So the narrator who is not named in this movie, is a chronic insomniac who is unfulfilled both by his job as an automobile recall specialist and the material wealth it affords him. As a substitute for therapy, he attends support groups for problems he doesn't really have, such as alcoholism and cancer. Another imposter, Marla Singer, begins attending the same groups. Her presence is taken by the narrator as a constant reminder of his dishonesty, interfering with the therapeutic effects he's after. He confronts Marla and proposes they divide the group attendance, to which she grudgingly agrees.
1: Okay, so that's actually quite a good first paragraph, because it doesn't give too much away. It, lets, it eases us into this world. Um, can I uh, give my sermon for the week? Go for it. Sure. Because I didn't remember, but um, after going back through uh, uh, one or two files, I've just... I've. Found out that I covered Fight Club heavily in my dissertation. True that. (laughs) Just didn't Mm -hmm. remember. True that. Yeah, I'd forgotten how, um, I'd forgotten most of it. And I'd forgotten how I, I, it's the reason why I came across the most affecting documentary I'd ever seen. Uh, It's called The Century of the Self. And so on, during the intro, you've um, made reference to a, a lot of this, but it's a 2002 documentary by Adam Curtis. And it covers the work of um, a man called Edward Bernays, who was Sigmund Freud's nephew. Wow. Uh, basically, it's a four-part series, and it starts after World War I, uh, and then after World War II, uh, and after you know, the horrifying discoveries of the Holocaust. Um, basically, Western world leaders had a conundrum on their hands, and it was, how do they stop this kind of animalistic violence from reoccurring again? Um, humanity, it had to move beyond uh, violence, as as you know, the world could not it could ill afford another long drawn out bloody and expensive war. So, Bernays was hired by Washington D.C. to assist in helping understand the psyche of the general public, and he went with uh, Woodrow Wilson to the Peace Accords Conference in Paris, and his key prognosis was this if you can use propaganda for war, why can't you use it for peace? And he helped craft what would become the future of consumerism. He posited that the corporate elites and the politicians try and divert um, our more primitive impulses away from fighting and towards ownership, towards yeah. spending money, uh, chasing the American dream. And they, they, the, the idea was, you don't want to conquer the world. You want a nice car. People need to be trained away from needs and converted into desires. So, yeah, basically he was saying we must be consumed with attaining possessions. Yeah. Um, well, Fight Club is really about rejecting the modern era of people being consumers instead of citizens, or instead of individuals, you know? We became just the masses, and the masses consume. Exactly. Like, that. Simpler still, like this film is just a giant fuck you to consumerism. Anton, you said it from the start, um, and yeah, th- this is, this documentary was was so profound to me at the time, and I've forgotten about it. I went back and um, and, and watched and it's completely is what Fight Club is about, hundred percent. And I feel like I am a victim of consumerism in a way because you know I have several collections. I like whiskeys, uh, click vinyl records, comics, books, uh, trainers that these collections do make me feel somewhat happy like it's exactly. the thrill of the hunt exactly that exactly but, that and exactly that come
0: on exactly it, it, exactly what you're saying in terms of even that the with the whole distraction through tv and um again the generation it the, it, the value system was dictated by Advertising, and as it, as it as someone mentions it, I think again I read this through through Wikipedia. I don't know if it was a quote of David Fincher himself actually, which is funny enough. You know the 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 thing I said I remembered about um, being hunters with nothing to hunt or kill, and we're in a society of mm. shopping. That was actually David Fincher himself um, talking about the narrator, and that's the world that he was created in. Um, and mm. it was one of those things where there was spiritual happiness through home furnishing (laughs) is the way you put it, which he literally depicted, literally depicted, you know, in the film, um, through his Ikea possessions and how it was just, in essence, these are the things that make everyone happy, despite being just a generation of spectators. Um, and again, again, Tyler kept saying it, you are not
1: special. And that was the whole point. It's, it's, but it's so why do these on for so why do many these things why do these things make me feel good it's it, it you know I'm in a committed loving relationship I'm about to be a father I've got a secure job with prospects I've got great friends great family yeah you know if I buy a pair of trainers that i've I've wanted for years it makes me feel fucking fantastic exactly exactly that isn't that weird though it's bad it's it's and unfortunately it's it's
0: it's literally the system that has been created as is now and it's funny because I remember seeing a YouTube shot about. It was about fleas, right? <laughs> okay. Now wait, take a walk as he, as Ben says. Take a walk with me. I'm I'm on, I'm going I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere with this. Take a walk. Do with it. Me. T- take a walk with me. Take a walk with me, right? <laughs> it was. I think it's really, really, kind of common experiment where they put fleas in a jar, right? um i think they're like young fleas or 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 the the earliest is like i don't think fleas live long but just fleas however long they put them in a jar and they cover it for 24 hours i think it is um they then come and then they open the jar after 24 hours the fleas have learned that that's the highest they can jump and they will never excel past or jump higher than the top of what they perceive to be that jar, regardless of the fact that they can jump far, far three, four, five times higher. And it's just that kind of, this is exactly what, and what the, what the short did was, um, I think it was by, it was by someone who was talking about, um, um, the kind of limitations that we are kind of probably, probably, probably not to this kind of gravitas, but the limitations that were kind of uh, imposed to us. He was talking about like education. And what he did was he said, you put the fleas, um, uh, in a jar and he just he kind of flashed the score um, you, t- you 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 give them a level to stop them by and tell them that this is the highest they can go and he, he just kind of flashed like education 13 years and then they never go past or see the outside of it or think outside of that particular box because this is what they've been told for however long so he was kind of talking about the general system of obviously like education and things like that which a lot of people have, have spoken about in terms of how is modern is modern education actually the type of education that kids would, would grow and survive in, etc. But it's kind of similar to a tantamount to that. We are given the jar, we're fleas and the lid has been put on. And it's like you don't see past you don't even know how far you can go because you aren't even willing to explore it. Because you've been told for so long that this is where you this is where you stop. Just like you've been told for so long, you buy those trainers, you are happy. You go to school, you go you get a job, you work to buy trainers. And it's so funny because you see it all the time. I, I, and I can't. I, I hope I remember the the, the saying, and, and I'll see if I can find it. I'll, so I don't. So I don't kind of bastardize it. But it's something on the lines of, people work, go to jobs they don't like, to buy things they don't need, to impress people who don't care. And it's just like with money they don't have. With money they don't have, because we live in a credit system as well. It's freaking crazy when you think about that. It's almost a little bit depressing if you go to do
1: too far down that rabbit Yeah, you've reduced my life down to that <laughs> Well, fuck me. <laughs> if anyone's uh, hasn't killed themselves yet, um, <laughs> we apologise. Yeah, but this is this this is how I mean. I think there's a, there's at least one of us in the in this group that probably doesn't revere the movie as as much, but. Um, I, I am, I just think it's one of the most thought provoking movies I've ever seen. It really,
0: it 100% is. 100%. And, and that's the thing, like I said, there's so many levels to this because, again, obviously, well, as we were talking about how we were going to be going through this podcast as well, I mean, that's just the the kind of, I don't know, philosophical. Uh, th- theoretical kind yeah. of side of things. Let's that's just, just the that's themes. Just, that's yeah. just the theme. Let's, let's talk about the film itself. Just the film. Yeah. It's freaking brilliant. I mean, <laughs> just the film right. itself. Like that know, original. Absolutely right. Just that original bit, right? So, and again, you you, you guys you guys will know this. Because, again, to kind of talk back about when well, the first time. So, I, I didn't watch Fight Club. Um, in fact, the only reason I watched Fight Club was because of youtube 2 Because youtube 2 always used to go on mm. about it. And I remember you saying, Oh, you need to go and watch Fight Club when we all live together. So one time I I can't remember you guys were out, London, whatever, something I actually watched it. And the reason I always remember it is because. (laughs) Do you remember when I was like, yo, did you guys catch a giant dick? (laughs) (laughs) And you were both like, What? What the what did you watch? We said fight club. What the hell are you? <laughs> not nightclub or where the hell are you been watching? <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. There's a there's a giant dick at the end of the film, <laughs> and you were like, no, 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 no. And then you went to go watch it, and you're like, oh my god, there's a
1: giant dick <laughs> that flashes through the film, and you're, you're like, what are you guys trying to tell me here? <laughs> you got me watching this movie, <laughs> and it's so Mate, true because I, I was so fucking blinkered by this film i swear to you the first time i watched it or maybe it took two times i don't think i even noticed that we didn't get the narrator's name absolutely exactly exactly that exactly that I, and this I, know, I... somebody said to me oh you know like the narrator i'm like oh yeah you know the character um you know the uh the uh and it was like the narrator i was like shit yeah we That's... don't even know his we never hear his is... name until he's
0: done do, do, conf- do you want a confession <laughs> do you want a confession The only reason I know he's the narrator is because I was looking for this film. (laughs) And he was like, "Um, what's his name? I was like, you know, uh, (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) IMDB. Oh, my God, he's the narrator. (laughs) 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 Uh, Absolutely, absolutely crazy. But the reason I was talking about the whole flashing dick (laughs) was because even in that first paragraph of the film that he just read, you know, Tyler
1: Durden flashes up four times in that.
2: It's mad. Well, I don't think I caught more in this film. Like
1: That was my question. One of my questions was, when is the first time we see him? Oh, I can tell you Like, exactly. when is the first I can, flash? I, I time-stamped. I time but I
0: literally time-stamped. Not only that, I time-stamped what he was doing, what he was wearing, and the line that was said when it was done as well. Can, because can I have I was a guess
2: like, before you say that? Go for it. Go for uh, it. Ben, ben as well. I think this will be fun. First one I noticed was just after therapy. He's looking at Marla walk away. That's the first oh. one I remember.
1: <laughs> oh. Right. The first nope. one I remember is when the do- when the doctor says uh, you should go to uh, the st- testicular cancer survivors group. Good. Good, but close, but not at all. That's not the first one. Okay. Funny enough, the one you're talking about with the doctor is the
0: second. Uh, Ian, the one you're talking about um, is like the, the, f- of the film. fourth. It's the fourth. That's the last yeah. one. The one with the... One with, um, the one with um, uh, when Marla's walking away. That's the fourth. The very, very first one, right? Is when he is talking about his insomnia and he, they're talking about the impact that it has on him and his job and how he just, in, insomnia. He think he says something on the lines of um, something about uh, being sleep defrized and something about a copy, right? When he says copy, Tyler pops up. Oh, amazing. And Tyler, Tyler isn't wearing he's he's Tyler looks lost so it's almost like it's the first time you see him and he's still formulating what he's like he's not wearing the glasses he's not he even though he looks obviously like Brad Pitt and he's wearing the red jacket he's not wearing the red glasses which he wears in every other flash and he's looking a little lost almost like this is the first time he's here and he's like where's this world really quick flash
1: he's almost looking well, uncertain that was my next question i was getting, my next question is when is tyler activated there we go. There we go. right? So you think it's then.
0: So that's the, so that's the first that's the first time he sees this pop up and a bit of a another thing as well is like everyone everyone that he's looking at, you know, the copy there, they're all holding Starbucks cups and they all drink
1: Starbucks at they all drink the coffee at the same time. I did notice that. There is there, there is a Starbucks cup in every scene absolutely. in this movie. Almost every
0: single scene of this movie has a fucking Starbucks cup. It's absolutely crazy. And again, it's talking about how and I, Unfortunately, sorry for Starbucks, but they are the, in my opinion, they are the absolute poster, poster for,
3: <laughs> for, 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 for <laughs> capitalist
0: consumerism. Because, oh, sure. my, it don't matter where you go, there is a freaking Starbucks everywhere. I went to, I've come back from Vietnam like a month ago, two months ago now almost, and it literally was this jike. There was Starbucks here, Starbucks here, Starbucks here, amongst all the other kind of coffee shops that they have. And they, they do have their own chain there as well. I can't remember the name of the chain, but then literally, and in one of the in one of the big roundabouts in Saigon, just this
1: gigantic Starbucks, and it's just like you cannot escape from them. You literally cannot escape from them. So much so that McDonald's probably privately subsidising them, being like, "Thank you so much for taking the pressure off." Of us. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We'll fund it. You take that. You take that hate. But that was it's the like, first time you have seen who, who who was killed, the master or the apprentice, and you just got exactly. on McDonald in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Or, um, or the Starbucks mermaid. Oh, the Starbucks Depending mermaid. On- <laughs> <laughs> he's,
0: he's, Ronald McDonald has actually killed her. That's what it is.
1: <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I wonder um, So, I think the trigger for Tyler must be when the doctor says, "No, I am not giving you any medication." It's like a final snap. He's like, well, "What am I supposed to do?" So it's
0: because that—that's doctor scene that she comes after. So four minutes and six seconds, right? It's actually funny enough when uh, you first see first see that flash of Tyler in that um, when he's talking about the insomnia. And he talks about kind of the copy and, and he's, he's talking about like, it makes you, he he says something along the lines of it, it kind of makes you think you're crazy or something. And then he, and then Tyler flashes up. So the next time is when he again with that doctor and he says, and the doctor says, that's pain. He's, you, you need, you need to go and actually see those, those t- t- uh, testicular uh, cancer patients. Now that's pain. Six minutes and 18 seconds. Tyler flashes up again, wearing a red jacket again, but this time he has his glasses on and he's looking smug as in like, yes. that's pain. So almost like, Okay, he, well, well we're almost forming. four minutes in. Tyler, yeah, exactly that. Yeah. The next time after that is seven minutes and thirty-three seconds, right? And it's when he goes to the group, right? Um, this time you can see that he's wearing an Indy, an Indy five hundred shirt. Funny enough, for some reason, um, he's wearing a red jacket. And when the uh, guy holds, holding the hosting the actual uh, meeting says, "We need to open ourselves up," that's when you see Tyler, and he's actually like leaning on the on the guy and actually kind of like, almost like, again, another smug grin. And then the final time is the time when Ian mentioned 12 minutes and 35 seconds, where again, he's wearing a red jacket. This time he's now smoking. um, And he's like something, that, and he says, he's looking, this time he's looking smoking. He's looking very, very cool. And he says, next group, something like the next group or something like that along, along those lines as well. Then the final time you actually see Tyler, the first time you actually see Tyler solid, very, very solid, is when he's flying around, obviously doing his insurance thing. And you see him on the walkway and he says Mm. um, something along the lines of, I can't remember what he says at the time, but Tyler actually is in full form now. Funny enough, in this time, he's actually, it's the only time you ever see him wearing different colors. He's wearing a yellow shirt and a white jacket. And he actually almost slides out of the the narrator as in like, if you look at the beginning of the walkway, there's no person. And then Edward Norton, the narrator, Goes across and then all of a sudden it's like Tyler passes him and comes out the other end. But then if you look, if you go back and actually watch it, there was no one at the beginning. So loads of people were like, Oh, is this actually the person that Tyler that Tyler is based on? Is in like he actually saw him and this becomes the person that he's actually based on. But when you look at it, it's like, no, this is actually
1: oh, That's really interesting.
0: But when you look at it, it's actually like, it's like everyone, some, some people are kind of down that ilk and saying like, maybe that's what it is. But then loads of people are saying, well, no. no he because he manifested him before that. Yeah, Absolutely, he manifested him before that. But if you look at the walkway, if you look past, in front of Edward Norton, because he's basically, Edward Norton is going right, and Tyler's going left, right? If you look in front of Edward Norton as he's going right, there's no one. But then all of a sudden, as he comes past him, you see Tyler. So it's almost like he's created in the airport. And then when's the first time he actually speaks to Tyler? On the plane.
1: Fucking outrageous! Outrage I outrageous told you kid.
3: it took me three hours to watch this film
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: over two days, and, and and you're talking about like uh, you've you've time-stamped where these things happen, right? Yeah. Um, we are at 13 minutes by the time that we're introduced to Marla, and it's gone so fucking quickly. Do you know Absolutely. why? Because there are so many fucking scenes. There are so many cuts because we are now living the narrator's life. He exactly. This is what his problem is. You know, like, exactly. he, he, the, how much information has he jammed down our throats? Like, from, as Ian says, in fact, I'm throwing out the first award of the series. Ooh. This is Ooh. the Peter Pan Award. Okay. Okay. Peter Pan Award, giving away the twist in the opening line. As you say, I know this because Tyler knows this.
0: Yeah.
1: If you don't get that reference, it's that in Peter Pan, the first line is all children except one grow up, which telegraphs the fact that all the lost boys grow up and Peter is all by himself at the end of the novel. So yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Thought, <laughs> oh, yeah. Peter Pan. What <laughs> the Ian? Peter Pan,
0: right, is like a freaking horror. When you read, an, yeah. uh, I'm ge- genuinely when I come. I think it was Ben that was telling me about it, and I was just like, Peter Pan is like a horror movie. <laughs> Honestly.
2: Oh my god.
1: Why do you think they That's named so a vampire movie The Lost Boys? <laughs> it's oh. absolutely crazy.
2: Because everyone thinks work,
1: that man. the Lost Boys are, are vampires.
3: Right. <laughs>
1: Anyway, but, you know, it's, it's it's a great opening. We are peppered with information, and it's really a great noir opening as well. Exactly you know, the that. guy staring down the barrel of the gun. There's, like, a detective-like voiceover. Uh, it's all started with a girl. I thought he was going to say it all started with a dame, you know? Mm, yeah. And there's yeah. amazing noir dialogue. You know, like the narrator, he says, uh, home was a condo on the 15th floor of a filing cabinet for windows of young professionals. The walls were solid concrete. I'm just like, boom. It's fucking the, describing describing his his apartment block as a filing cabinet fucking amazing it's it's un, the 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 narration
0: and the writing of that narration is unbelievable and to think the studio was like oh we don't want that we don't want it in it and and mm. um i think it was it was paul Linnick that was like do you realize how sad this film would be if without it this- <laughs> 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 was like no, no no we
1: need this writing like put it back in there seriously Voiceover is death to a screenwriter when he puts it in the hands of a script reader. Exactly. Um, but luck, as you say, luckily they did because with Norton's, without Norton's voice, this film's way too dark. Exactly. Way, that. way too dark. And on reflection, I think I said this earlier Ed Norton is the only reason people did not see this twist coming. There is something so. so trustworthy about him. Yeah. True. You know he's fucked up, but you don't true. let yourself believe he's that fucked up. True. It's all fucking mm. Norton. He distracts you. He's like to every man. You believe him. You don't think it's possible for him to be that mental. True, true. And also the fact that he is so, you so
0: relate to what he's going through and where he's at. You're just like, yeah, yeah, that's me. So by the time you project any of the issues on, not even project, absorb is probably a better way to put it. By the time you absorb the issues that he's going through and reflect them back in your life, you're just like, oh no, this is definitely real because I can see what, where I fit into this. That makes sense. So there's no yeah. way it could be anything
1: else. He, the the, the narrator does that. It, it move this movie does something interesting with diegesis, which is the telling of a story through a narrator. Um, they may a narrator can speak as a particular character, or maybe like an invisible one, or even like an all knowing narrator which speaks from um, outside in the. Commenting on on what's happening in the story, but like the this watcher narrator, yeah, exactly. <laughs> watcher. But, but this this narrator does all three. He is a character, but then he is invisible. He is all knowing, and yet he knows fuck all. Yeah, it's, it's, just... it's all at once. It's it's incredible. It really is. The uh, I mean, the two thirds of the movie is just him talking in it, right? It's just narration, pretty much, pretty much, Could- pretty much. It's so jacked as well. You know it's like uh you know when deep space exploration ramps up, it will be the corporations that name everything, the IBM Stellar the Microsoft Galaxy, Planet Starbucks. It's it's, like, it's, you know I mean you nearly gotta so write, but it's tr- a Samsung Galaxy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so true.
1: It's so and I had true. to look this up to see if this is a real thing, but it's not. They made it for the film. He calls it the IKEA nesting instinct. <laughs> 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 I was like, oh, is that like a real philosophical... Is that, is that a real, you know, psychological thing? It's not. Everyone gets the feeling when walking around Ikea, though, you want it all. It seems affordable. If only you had that bit more credit on your card. Absolutely. Yeah? It's same so thing, true. Hey, we all know. Same things with Argos, right? But the laminated book of the dreams. The laminated book of dreams. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so true. To catch the tears of everyone. <laughs> oh, so many pretty things. I don't possess them
0: all. It is exactly like that. To, to the point. To the point. Right? Right. I, to, I went to London. In fact, let me remember. I have to remember the name of this store. Um, I'll see if I can find it. It's going to be annoying. I'll see if I can find it during the podcast. There is a store, right? And the whole purpose of the store is you don't go in and buy anything. It is the experience of what you could have. And then all you do is using the QR code, you then scan and go through to uh, the, web, the store's website, which then links to the actual... Um, say, like, company or, or brand itself and then buy through them as well. Now, potentially, this store gets uh, discounts, obviously, because in essence, it's a marketing, but you kind of go in. The store is designed like a house. So we went in there, right? And on the front left, there was a garden um, and with, with like, lawn chairs and stuff. On the right-hand side, it was meant to simulate the garage, so they had a Maserati GX in there, right? <laughs> the Maserati 4x4. So you literally go in. You can go in and sit down in this thing, Right? And then you go to the back and there was like this massage chair and then you go, there was a kitchen, there was a chef there making food. So you we got free food. Uh, this was in London. You went to the uh, other backside of things. There was the, there was the, I think there was the, the games room or like the, the man cave. So that had like a VR thing that you could go in and try and then there was the bedroom and you know what I said. And then there was the, there was the lounge, which had literally they, these speakers were like the best speakers in the world. Like quite literally like someone put, and you could plug your own phone in and listen to the music. And it was, a, it was it was almost the absolute antithesis of this of this film, right? <laughs> in a store, right? And you go in and experience all of these things that you would never be able to afford. So I mean, like to the point where there's that there's this, there's this new Transformers uh, robot that's uh, this Optimus Prime robot that's like literally taking the world by storm now. They even had that, so I even got to play with that and try that. And it was like Optimus, like Transformers. So you you could literally try all these ridiculous. And when I say expensive, I mean like. There's, there was a mirror, right? There was a mirror. It's a workout mirror. And you basically do, you take the weights and you do the workout against the mirror and it watches your form. 10 grand.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: 10 grand. And that was one of the cheaper Did things. Do you in come there. out of this, ex- do you come out of this experience feeling better or worse? That's, that's what I mean. So it's like, it's like you've walked into it and to, to, perver- to, to almost proverbially the, the ultimate kind of tech, Masa- like there was a mas- there was a massage chair that literally like Annie was sat in it and it literally not only does it massage every part of you it literally pulls your bro- like it twists and turns your body like pull- like and that that was like
1: does it give you a happy like ending 20, 20 pra-
0: practically it's the only th- it's the only freaking thing it didn't do and I say that it probably could do that as well so <laughs> do you <do laughs> know what I mean but to bring this all the way back to sorry to fight club and the consumerism it literally is a case of now it's like it's not good enough to be told that these are the things that are going to make you happy it will eventually get to point because the way that's the way they're talking about it is like stores are going to start moving towards this way as well go in and experience what you can't have and feel the need to fight for it not in fight club <laughs> but at your shitty job to try and get this particular thing, it's unbelievable when you think about it. And again, I I completely I didn't remember it until you actually just mentioned it. Then about the things that you want and can't have, and or feel like you need to have when you go through IKEA. And again, it's it's like it's like the peak of everything that's going on. You go through IKEA and you walk through the kitchen and the bed, and we've all done it. I've gone to I've gone to I've gone to sleep on one of the beds in IKEA before. It's literally just like that now. That's, that's that doesn't surprise me.
1: Anton, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you. I've seen you go to sleep in weird, uh... And, more, and, and le- less plausible places. Like stood for all those up on a listening, stool. I once I, I once found Anton asleep on top of a ladder <laughs> while we were working at JD Sports. We'd both been out the previous night. This was a Sunday shift, and um, I always called it a day around two o'clock. Whereas Anton fucking has no off switch, or at least until he does. And the <laughs> The way this JD Sports was set out, remember there was like just a bunch of cubes, like you had to go past each, each one because it was a, it was a really posh JD. So there was a different brand in each section. So I'm walking past and I see you on top of a ladder, like putting a hoodie back on the top rack. Uh, And then I was on my way to get something and like, couldn't have been more than 60 seconds later. I'm, I'm going back the opposite way and I'm passing that same booth and I look over and you are asleep on the ladder. Your head is resting on the top step. And, (laughs) you're you're actually holding the jumper on the peg still <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: god i remember one time right so i used to i used to obviously ian and ben know i used to burn the candle at both ends uh uh the weekend because i used to work at jd and then just go out i'd literally just sleep six hours a weekend <laughs> i remember one time <laughs> i can admit it now because it's been absolutely years remember but, uh, ben you remember Porter shark right that ridiculously expensive yachting brand where we had to like tag every single thing because shirts were literally like 200 and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember yeah, that stupid yeah. shops? We had that, Remember we had that entire section and we'd always have like um, yes. always have like, uh, an ex- or a senior or an experienced member of staff in there so that if there was any trouble, you could be dealt with. And I remember <laughs> one weekend, I was stood at one of the rack's. I, again stood obviously stood so one of the racks I was holding it and I, I fell asleep like stood looking like I was looking at the rack but I was actually asleep a, a customer came up and was like t- "Like tapped t- 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 me gently was like are you okay and I was just I'd assume, he woke me up right and I looked at him, I looked up right I looked at him realised what I'd done where I'd fallen asleep So, Lindsay you know our manager crazy ass manager on the back and Fucking I just went right, and I I instantly, I instantly just went... Yeah, sorry. I was just visualizing where the where the
3: clothes should go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. oh, Lord.
1: You know, Anton, you make quite a good case for you being Tyler Durden. <laughs> 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 now I know where you get the energy to do all this shit. <laughs> put Imagine the you're... <laughs> In that, in that, in that exact moment, your, nation, your narration was: "Babies don't sleep this good." <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly that. Babies don't sleep this good. That's brilliant. <laughs> it actually reminds me of that two, that Joker movie from 2019. You know, he's like he, he's trying to explain to them he's not well. They don't care. He becomes a vigilante, True. inspires civil unrest not sure what's reality and what's fantasy. I mean, this is actually more I think about it. It's, it's quite like the Joker.
3: Yeah, it actually um, does. Yeah,
1: it actually does. Yeah. The doctor says to him something that I immediately was like a doctor. Can't be serious. Right. He says, insomnia isn't a form of suffering. Is he fucking joking? There's a reason why sleep deprivation is one of the oldest, most revered forms of torture in human history. It's, it's like for, for me, I think that doctor was quite representative
0: again of the system in that, even when you need to go get help, you can't really get help.
1: Uh, Which is a stupid thing to say. It's like it's, it's, prolonged yeah. sleeplessness decimates your immune system. It causes it brain damage. It does. I Absolute, mean, how, how absolutely much does.
2: do you trust the narrator though? Cause you've heard what the narrator has yeah. explained of him. Explaining yeah, good point.
1: One, one of the
0: things that, one of the things of the film is the fact that the narrator is actually, when you think about it, given everything that he's going through, he is
2: incredibly unreliable. And mm. this is what I, I think I like. I I watched this film halfway through and then stopped and had to re watch the whole thing again. So I've done it one and a half times. Purely because <laughs> it was so fucking depressing. It's just like awful. Like I couldn't I couldn't get to grips with it and it rewatching it, it remembering that incinerator yeah, made Bro, this 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 film is existential as fuck. If you it looked really up the is. word
1: existential in the dictionary, you'd see a bar of pink soap. <laughs> Honestly, like these guys, Kemu, Nietzsche, Kickergaard couldn't pump out a work together. This existential, if they tried, you, know? <laughs> you, you can see, you can see why the studio were worried. Absolutely. Like, I, I, I don't mind um anti-communist theory- themes. I don't mind existential themes, but this is like a nihilistic fucking theme. That's you know exactly uh, I, what. Sorry, they were going for. I, I, yeah, I mean, ex- existentialism is is hopeful, it's proactive, you know? It's like, there there is no meaning to life, but you can make your own. Whereas nihilism is, you believe that life is meaningless, and the only known truth is the existence of you. And that leads to, well, destructive hedonism, best case, and fucking suicidal, rifle-assaulting, bell tower, nut job, slash, <laughs> hewagon, <laughs> oh my secretary of the treasury, worst case. Sorry. But yeah, that's like, <laughs> that is... It's just it's just bad shit, is what I'm saying. That is bad shit. <laughs> that, 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 that is, <laughs> that is some bad. That is some bad shit. <laughs> it definitely
0: is. No, but, you're
1: hundred percent correct. Yeah. Though, hundred percent correct. It was Marla allowed in the testicular cancer cancer support group? I I I have zero, absolutely zero idea. Absolutely what, zero. Like, idea. She's she's obviously not pretending to be a bloke. Why? I wouldn't you as the leader of the group be like, "Excuse me, I think you're in the wrong group."
2: Um, may, maybe it's people find support. I've, I've never been to a, a group like that, so maybe they do let some people there if you're there to help. But
0: I did find it hilarious though when she said, <laughs> "Where he's like, where it was like, you don't even have any testicles." <laughs> she was like, "Well, then that puts me closer to the group than
1: you do than you." I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> she's
3: kind of right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, hmm. I think Bob as a character is is fantastic I uh, absolutely love him but it was the idea of him is on the nose uh yeah, as good as the metaphor is we already know that it's painfully obvious the film is tackling male emasculation do we really need a character who has had his balls literally cut off quite quite literally and
0: and just in case he wasn't further emasculated has breasts he, he's got bitch tits yeah he has, he oh, has the as they, as they call them as they call them the bitch tits uh, it's it's yeah. it, uh, I mean, I think it just, it is just, like I said, it's on the nose and that's the entire point of it. Um, Mm. And obviously we're going to go further into the film and exactly, we know that Bob ends up in Fight Club. So it's like, it just shows how much that emasculation sought out eventually Fight Club, Mm. do you know what I mean? And and what it kind of gave him. Um, But I, I just remember writing down, like, is Meatloaf
1: that tall? He was towering Edward Norton um he he is tall but here's a here's a funny thing you you may have already picked this up in your notes mm-hmm. um he was supposed to be big meatloaf but the the producers didn't realize that the year he signed on for the project and then it was a year before they filmed due to all the, the rewrites and everything um he lost like half his body fat yeah so when he turned up they were like uh, who the fuck is this he was like <laughs> uh, i'm it's me i'm meatloaf they're like, no, no, no! You're supposed to be heavy. This is the whole point. So they had to use a a, a fat suit for him.
0: Yep, they put him in a fat suit. Yeah, not just yeah. not At- just the
1: boobs, but like an entire fat suit.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And here's the funny thing as well. Because I remember looking up that I was like, Jesus Christ, Meatloaf is tall. And it, no, they actually put um, he wore uh, shoes like lifts to make him kind of tower over. Edward Norton I think there was something like they were really really high as well um, they actually had the measurement in them I can't remember it was something like 18 inches or something like that like, really oh really God, high lifts it's lift. huge probably did you hear it? They had, there, but it probably is
2: less but still <laughs> they had two versions of the fat suit one with nipples and one without
1: just up for the sensors
2: Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't sure that he was going to approve of the nipples <laughs> <laughs>
1: that is absolutely brilliant yeah. absolutely brilliant so all, all this, you know, we've, we've talked so much and all that's happened is that the narrator's told us that he's suffering from insomnia, he's going to support groups that he doesn't, um, he, he's not eligible for, and then he meets a girl called Marla. And that's it. That's how much, and it's so rich.
2: On a flight home from a business trip, the narrator meets Tyler Durden, a soap salesman, who tells him he's trapped by consumerism. The narrator's apartment and all of his belongings are destroyed by an explosion. So he moves into Tyler's dilapidated house in an industrial area. The two start having consensual fistfights in a parking lot uh, outside a bar, which attracts other men and eventually leads to the formation of Fight Club. Marla overdoses on pills while the narrator ignores her phone call for help, but Tyler saves her and they begin a sexual relationship.
1: Just that the way that paragraph reads, we can go in a little bit to the subtext, right? Um, Paul and Nick is openly homosexual. And I just can't get it out of my head where A guy wrestling with his inner self, real self, who he really is. Um, he's happy to move in with Tyler and engage physically with him, but he's not interested in Marla at all, sexually. He has to create a whole other personality just to satisfy her. Like, who is he really jealous of? Marla sleeping with Tyler or Tyler sleeping with Marla? The film and the writers uh, and Palahniuk in the book Openly
0: says that homoeroticism is part of, is used in this. Probably probably a better way to put it in this film as well. Even everything down to the like the having the gun in
1: his mouth and and when they talk Mm. about oh, do we really need another woman? Okay, so we we've got these these two characters now. Uh, You know, in the movie, we don't know they're the same person, but we've openly said that they are the, the same person. It was a lot about you know discovering their relationship and how Marla fits into it, but. Um, we get quite, uh, it, it, it becomes so, you know, this this movie, every time you think that it might do something predictable, it just goes completely the opposite way, like the soap. So he's not really a soap salesman, right? As in, ty, ty, it, Tyler is the narrator, the narrator is Tyler. Subconsciously, is he actively making soap? Is he, Is it so his mind can let him learn how to make explosives or tricking him into learning how to make explosives, you know, with, by the mirage of, oh, I've met a guy and he makes soap.
0: I think the way I took it, right? Because again, I'm with you on this, where I was just like, so wait, how does he-, he learn how to do all this and where's it all coming from? I think it's more a case of, he- this-, this guy is obviously learning how to do all this stuff in some way, shape or form, however he's doing it. And the way he is contextualizing or or accepting that learning learning basically how to become a terrorist and learn how to make biological explosives is by alluding or dedicating that to Tyler who's a soap salesman and oh guess what it turns out soap can actually be made from human fat I tell you what else you can make from human fat bombs <laughs> which isn't particularly far off so in essence then the, the bombs they're making in essence aren't far off soap themselves anyway um
1: yeah, but I'm saying like, is it like limitless where because he he doesn't need to sleep, he's just learning all the time, he's reading all the time, he That's, has uh, you know extended capacity. So, so it and must also... Be, even all the jobs that Tyler has, right? You know it's actually the narrator that has
0: them. So it's like, he's... Because he's, again... So it's like, oh, I've got insomnia. But the guy himself real, doesn't realise that he's always awake and at these other jobs. So obviously it must be the time when he's learning and doing all these other things as well. So it's, it's,
2: I'm assuming that's what it has to be. Um, we only know what the Norita knows. Um, if you know what I mean, there's, there's no yeah, way to really about it. He, We can presume, I mean, the only way he could ever learn this stuff, because making explosives must be dangerous. So he absolutely had to research and like look into this mm-hmm. or have someone teach him. But Well, he hasn't done very good research because I can tell you
1: from my limited ex- knowledge on the subject of explosives, orange juice and gasoline does not make napalm. That's absolute bullshit. <laughs> Napalm yes. is what you mix with gasoline to make an explosive device. There is n- Orange juice is not part of the equation.
2: Is that what he said? I thought it was an acid. Anyway, I don't know. He said frozen concentrate orange to, juice. To be fair, I think I would be a lot happier with this film, coming up with random fucking ingredients and telling people that's how bombs are made. I hope all of that is bullshit. I don't really think they should have a film out where it's like... Combine this, 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 and then you'll end up with a bomb. Even though it, it's out there, why? Breaking Bad did it. But, that was really how you make
1: meth. Like you, can't, <laughs> it's not just not just not just average meth, but fucking top quality crystal meth. <laughs> so, top yeah. quality blue shit. One of
0: the things on the that Project Mayhem do is they 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 paint that billboard and it says something along the lines of, "Did you know you can use gasoline to fertilize or something like that?" I You're was alone. like,
2: "Yeah." I was yeah. like,
0: "What?" I looked up and it's absolutely
2: bullshit. Mm. Oh can't. yeah, no, that's for that's you to destroy crazy. your lawn. Yeah, it's fucking genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> That's Stupid. the whole fight in a meringue so far, right?
1: The the probably the, the, the craziest scene in the whole film is when he puts the acid on the on the narrator's hand, on his own hand.
2: When you think about what he's doing, like in his own kitchen, just on his own. Fucking that is mm. yeah.
0: It's Do you know a, a funny thing as well? Is apparently I don't know. I don't. I don't know how much I agree with this. I don't know if this was just Tyler having to struggle with the narrator as well. But apparently Tyler gets more sweaty as it goes on as well, so that you know that it's, he's one experiencing it as well. Um, oh wow! Okay. that's yeah, one of the things I did not so,
1: did not that's pick up. Really cool.
0: On. There's loads of stuff in it. There's loads of stuff like uh, the stuff I noticed as well. Briefcase. Oh, we've got the same briefcase. Obviously that was obvious. He literally alludes to the fact that they've got the same briefcase. But even stuff like, you know when they both hit the Volkswagen? They both hit yeah. it at the exact same time and the light comes on and boom. Oh I see. Alright. So right. the car only got hit once. Oh All I see. Alright. Also random tidbit. Brad Pitt went to a dentist to chip his teeth so they weren't perfect. And then they had them he had them replaced after
1: Fight Club as well. Incredible. These these guys now that they're acquainted and living together, they start the Fight Club. This is this was a huge piece of controversy at the time because Fight Club started creeping up everywhere in America, but like obviously not on that real mm. crazy bloodletting level. Um, but the, the everyone everyone had the same opinion that this film glorifies fighting beyond reasonable, uh, accept, acceptable levels. I mean. We've all done forms of martial arts and self defense. Uh, You know, I've done KM. I do KM. There is nothing glorifying about it. I I don't feel powerful. I don't feel masculine. It gives me, I don't know, three things probably discipline, exercise, and something to focus on. If there is a cause to use violence, which is very, very rare in, in my sphere of existence, I would only feel revulsion at having had to do it. I would not feel validated by it. And I would assume most people are the same. The whole the funny thing with this is
0: the reason for Fight Club again and I think I I funny, I think I remember really quickly scanning an article talking about how it, again, like I said, if people thought watch Fight Club and thought, oh yeah, this is great, let's start a Fight Club, was that you've missed the point in the film. Because the whole point of Fight Club wasn't to fight, really. It was to basically almost push past the, the, the wall or the the norm of of societal life and obviously the the societal emasculation to be able to connect and feel something outside the norm where again your possessions don't matter it's just two people going at it do you know what I mean and that's not that's the whole that was the whole point of it it wasn't to fight it was more what it stood for
2: I mean, I don't remember this film ever really glorifying the fight club too much if you know. I mean, there's some scenes where you see people fighting, but man, everyone just seems to be like swinging quite wildly, if you know what I mean. It's...
1: Yeah, in some of the scenes they um they all agree that they would throw real punches yeah, to get the absolutely. real reactions. They said they'd actually go for it. Yeah. They said they'd actually go for it. Um the make like punching to the gut to to, to really feel like you got winded. Yeah.
0: Mm. The make right. the makeup uh yeah. the makeup um Artists uh, on it as well. They created like they—they they said they studied like obviously fighting videos and stuff. But even did things like they made like a prosthetic ear with with the cartilage removed, so it kind of mirrored, you know, like the Mike Tyson Vanderhold field fight as well. Whoa. And they stuck it on they stuck it on one of the uh, one of the extras as well. So yeah. it was like, oh yeah, he had his, his ear chewed off. <laughs> like, How would you ever weird.
1: notice that, <laughs> <laughs> man? People are serious about their roles. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Have you? As I mean, I think I know your, your both of yours biographies quite well. But have you ever been in an actual physical fight that I don't know about?
2: I don't know. Did you know I fought those moped guys? Like I was going to say, you, you were the moped guys. <laughs> yeah, you were the moped you, guys, weren't you? So you? You didn't actually, you
1: didn't actually fight them,
2: right? You got cornered in an alley. And no, I chased you, them you, down, you, you down you an alley. The... Realized where the fuck I yeah, was. Yeah, and then realized, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like Cody <laughs> Fools and horses. Where I ran down. The alley. <laughs> I realised I was the real dark alley. Anyway, I was like, "Yeah, this is fucking safe," and then I ran back out again. So yeah. that's
0: the Very... thing. I don't think I've never I've never been in a physical like altercation uh, for yeah. actual like as in that like, because there's been an actual issue, but have obviously been in kung fu competitions. So I've done those. Sure.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like a real, uh, uh, a non-training, um, non-simulated mm. fight. Like uh, I probably haven't since I was eighteen. I don't think I've ever been in before then. I'd been in a few
2: scrapes. Hmm. I mean, probably high school is like the most violent. If we're looking at like something raw and violent, like high school is probably the worst fights I've ever been in. But that's not really even fights, I would say.
1: Yeah, that's what I don't even class them as fights. They were tiffs, for lack of a better term. Yeah. I say it's hard to review the film without gut digging into toxic masculinity like we've done a little bit already, but there's so many Hmm. podcasts like dwell on this. Hmm. Um, what, what, what stuck with me this time was that he, when he's addressing the room, when Tyler's addressing the room, and he does that speech, it's quite iconic. He, it's only he, he makes it sound like it's only men who have been let down by the latter part of the twentieth century slash. Mm. You know, early well at that time it was the late 20th century. Now, early 21st mm. century. Why, why, why is it just men? Women were raised the same way in our generation. They should just be as pissed off as men. He says we were raised by women. What the? Were we? I was raped by two parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It make any sense? And that's where the toxic masculinity really does come through. And I can understand when people use the phrase because it is. It's so stupid. And it's such a double standard like why would we be as men uh more or less pissed off than a, a woman who has been given the same bullshit uh by the tv and film raising of, the set of that generation you you could, I, I could divide up what he says on one hand he sounds like a fucking wino who's like oh we're men and we're not masculine anymore what is oh, yeah, masculine yeah, yeah, yeah. let's all fight you know it's fucking bullshit on the yeah. other side he makes a good point where he's saying that our grandparents had a war to define them our parents had the pursuit of happiness and the ability to actually get it whereas we have fuck all yeah you know you can't i mean and it's more so 25 years later in the new millennium 21st century where we really have nothing our assets are worth fuck all we can't get a mortgage we we owning the property is a pipe dream you know for people maybe five ten years younger than us that's where i agree with him where you know, he says our great war is a spiritual war and our great depression mm. is our lives because those generations did have something Actually to define. Actually have something assignment. to absolutely, a hundred percent. They did have something to define. They did right, literally. Now we, we just, we still haven't figured out what's going to define the last 25 and the future years. When uh, the apartment gets blown up and he calls Tyler uh, on the payphone, that is the only timestamp. I wrote that down in my notes. The phone boxes, other than cell phones, this movie looks like it was set last week. (laughs) Yeah, it it holds up so well. I suppose, yeah, twenty five years later, there's really nothing that tells you it's the nineties, except there are no cell phones and he uses a payphone. True, true. Apparently, that payphone um,
0: doesn't have a, a, a returning number, so there's no number on it when you look at it. So when he calls Marla and she, she, she's something like, she, doesn't he say something like, I can hear breathing or something like that? And he doesn't, and, and he doesn't answer the phone. She can't call him back. She calls, he calls Tyler, nothing, but Tyler calls back. Says so there's no
1: returning number on that. But right. it says it on the phone box. Are you saying it says it on the phone box?
0: No, no. So apparently, the, 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 so again, this is another thing where I, I'm, this is as an American that did it, and I'm assuming there's probably more American, uh, American that would notice. But the num- where the number would be for the actual phone box itself, um, there isn't one. So there's not actually. But the, why couldn't they call that? Why
1: couldn't what? Why couldn't they just call? Uh, what's what's that thing to return a call? 101 or something. Oh start star one or something.
0: Star, yeah. so, star so ninety one or something. So apparently, apparently, like I said, uh, apparently there are phone boxes, there are some phone boxes in America that only dial out. So they don't have a number on them. Um, right.
1: So that was a dial out only box. So that was a
0: dial out so that was a dial out phone box, which is why she couldn't well oh, right. she probably could she probably not afford to call back,
1: to, to be fair anyway. <laughs> but which is why she can't <laughs> no, call back. I didn't I did not catch that. But then That's Tyler. Interesting. So, does so call basically back. Tyler never called back because it's him. No, no, yeah, right. Tyler never called back because it's him. Yeah, that's clever. That's so clever. There's no end to how clever this film is.
0: Oh man, there's so there's loads, loads of stuff, loads of stuff. Um, there's a part where a little bit, it's a little bit further ahead as well. Um, I, maybe I should actually wait till we get to that particular part. Um, but there's a part where um, you know, if uh, um, Tyler's fighting the, the the mob guy who owns the place, who actually owns yeah. the bar that they're in, yeah. and. You don't know where I've been, Lou. <laughs> Absolutely, and Lou—that's it, Lou. Edward Norton is stood watching the fight, and they've done a perp- They purposely done a wide shot because when Lou punches him in the gut, and it wins Tyler, uh, wins Tyler. Ed Norton, the narrator, uh, kills over as well. So he—he actually—he actually. Oh. He actually he actually takes it when he, so he's taken. He he gets winded as well. So he actually looks down and basically does the exact same time where he where Tyler Dudden gets punched. Shit, man!
1: I don't. Mm. I need to watch the movie again. It's, it's absolutely that's, nuts. That's
2: crazy. It's funny because, especially as we're watching this now, knowing. But they're the same, and mm, still there's mm. so much to miss. Like, I mean, the
0: easy thing for me was just Marla's interaction. Like I said, Marla is pretty much a different character because of the fact that you know, yeah, it's unbelievable some of the stuff she's gone on about, and just, like they have sex. Who are you talking to? Just like just mm. loads of stuff, and you mm. understand now why she's so annoyed. Aside from the fact she's still yeah. crazy, obviously, but she's so annoyed because she's just like, I can't win with you, and it's just like, why are you
1: getting mad at him for? We're, we're being gaslit as an audience absolutely (laughs) absolutely we are totally being gaslit because you know like when he when she calls he he thinks that she's calling him um because she's attempting suicide he says i'm just uh a non-entity to her or you know i'm i'm neutral territory for her that's why she's calling me like and i just i just accepted it i'm like yeah yeah absolutely that's why she's calling him She's already in a relationship with Tyler, but she calls him, and he's like, "Yeah, she calls me because I'm a oh, I'm You mean a mutual when, party? Sorry, the- you mean you mean
0: um when she calls for the for the for the lump? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Exactly that. He's sorry, like, yeah, that she's it, like, yeah. "Oh, she's calling me now because Tyler's on a vape." Was like, "Well, no, you you're actually in a relationship. You That's are... why."
1: Yeah, <sighs> I just didn't. I don't. I didn't. Uh, you know what's the word? Um, I didn't question it. Yeah, yeah. It's so, it's so, because, so because he's so, he's so believable. We are being kind of indoctrinated into his, into into Tyler's army, you know? And like he, you believe what he's saying because you believe the narrator. And it's so, he, when he says it so many times,
0: he was like, sometimes Tyler speaks for me. I had a bad fall. Yeah. I had a bad fall. And it's like, and yeah. it's also like, don't talk to Marla about me. Don't ever talk to, don't ever talk to Marla about me. So that's how that whole facade can stay going because none of them ever talk about the quote-unquote other person and it's absolutely it's so even the se- like he, he opens the basement
1: door and he's like don't talk to her about me, don't
0: and, talk he closes about me. It. and at one yeah. point he went and they both say at the exact same time it's like this conversation is over it's like oh it's so and even the, the even the first time you see even the first sex scene you know they blur the face so you don't actually see who he's with the very very mm-hmm. first sex scene they have they don't they don't you don't they just blur the face you just see your body. You know, between between
1: this and the and the penis at the end, this film really rewards rewatching. <laughs> it really
0: does. And the funny thing is, the penis comes up twice.
1: Yeah. Like the penis when, comes up twice. That that, that that whole thing with the projector, right? When he's he's a, a projecting guy. I'm really interested in what he's saying. You know, he's talking about the cigarette burns and the dots, mm. it shows you when the changeover happens. He's yep. like splicing single frames over pornography yep. into a family yep. film. You don't realize how fucked up it is. What you're, what what, what we're seeing, it's so fucked up, and it's such it is. an unusual choice. It is. Oh, it it's is amazing. actually, it's actually horrendous, and it's the
0: fact that he's there just narrating the
2: yeah.
0: whole, t- like the whole time. It's like well, it's not narr- he's not He's you think oh, it's Tyler doing this, and he's narrating it because he's the narrator. For- it's like no, he is there doing it. And he's just telling you what he's doing. It's absolutely
1: brilliant. This is 1999, and I and I know that this is a far superior film to the film that I'm about to mention. But we have to has to be said: The Sixth Sense and Fight Club. It's the exact same twist. Someone who we think is there really isn't there. It's literally the same the same True. twist. True. Which do you? Uh, we know that we know that obviously by by far far sixth sense was the more successful film at the time. Mm-hmm. But what do you be be completely honest with ourselves? Which twist was like oh shit? Which one was oh my oh my god moment more for you? I have never watched the sixth sense completely through.
0: And I, and here's the funny thing, it's going to sound stupid because I haven't seen it all the way through. I've seen like loads of clips of it, I've seen parts of it. I could pretty much tell you the exact film. I remember someone telling me the twist and it just didn't seem like it was that big a deal.
1: I, th- I think the execution of the twist for both films is phenomenal. Mm. But I think it's on the repeated viewing of it. It's how... You know, it's a, How much can you... Which film can you not unsee? after you've mm, seen the twist. Yeah. And for me, I actually think that Fight Club give way more hints once you've seen it through once. Like, once you go back and watch it, I'm like, oh my fucking God, I feel like an idiot. There are Sixth Sense. Um, there's only one bit I can recall where I'm like, oh, of course, why the fuck didn't we catch that? Is that when he's he, he's telling Bruce Willis that he sees dead people and he says, he's giving the rules of how what happens when he sees them. He gets really cold and you can see your... Your um, breath, it, you know, he's—he's. He's, you can see his breath right
2: then and there. I'm like, oh, mm. well. Bruce Willis is the only other cunt in the room. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> I I always thought Sixth Sense, out of the two, I would say the Sixth Sense was more what I didn't see coming and was probably a bigger shock, in the moment, but, it's a film I never thought about afterwards again. I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's known for the twist, whereas Fight Club to me has so much more... It, it's a little bit hard to compare them both just because of... I think Fight Club is just exciting and, like, the the way Tyler Durden talks through the film is, you know, it he does have that, like, appealing, charismatic, you know. It draws you in as, as a viewer. I do think Sixth Sense was just... It, I'm purely talking about the twist. There is no comparison.
1: There is no, uh, you you cannot compare Sixth Sense to Fight Club in terms of uh, the overall movie, the experience, the themes, the Mm -hmm. style, and the legacy. You can't, Mm -hmm. there's nothing to it. But for, I think 1999 not only had one film that had the greatest twist in movie history, but it had two. I can't think of, I can't think of a film that delivers a better twist. The Fight Club,
2: yeah. Oh, what about Cabin in the Woods? I did not see that coming. <laughs> Any oh, of us? What's,
1: what's the twist in that? The fact that they're they're, they're actually like it's an experiment or something or
2: something, right? Yeah, they like, just end up in that underground fucking lab full of all. Was that really a twist? Demons and stuff, right? Or something I don't, don't I know. I mean, I was more shocked at where that film went. Like, to me, Fight Club was was a it's a great twist, but I definitely was more about the journey than being like, oh my god, they're the same person. I don't think I was, like, blowing out my chair that they're the same person. Red baby buggy bumpers. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 what? Wait, how how sells, now, brown
2: cow? She sells wood chopper chopped. Got it. Unique New York Unique look. Neat
1: cunt. The um, human Torch was denied a punk loan.
2: Sure, Will Fowl gets to these material. The narrator he quits his, his job. Fuck the post you post i just edit insist- him out. The narrator out. <laughs> quits his job and blackmails <laughs> his boss and companies ask. <laughs> I've got the power now, okay. I'll
1: <laughs> just edit him out. i just edit him out. You can't just edit me out. You have no authority here, Ian.
2: <laughs> no authority at all. I can't believe she didn't actually have any authority there. That's what ruins <laughs> my mind. Read the contract, Ian. Read, read them it. and understand them. <laughs> <laughs> they were not wrong. Oh, Jackie Weaver. God. She, she was the first Karen. Oh, absolutely yeah. amazing. Oh, she was the first. Yeah. Anyway. The narrator quits his job and blackmails his boss for the company's assets to support Fight Club. More members join Fight Club, one of them being Rob Paulson, uh, a man the narrator has befriended at the Cancer Support Group. Tyler then recruits the men to his new organisation, Project Mayhem, which engages in acts of vandalism. When the narrator complains about being excluded, Tyler reveals that he was the one who caused the explosion at the narrator's condo. Tyler disappears, and when Bob is killed by police during a sabotage operation, the narrator tries to stop Project Mayhem. He follows a paper trail to cities Tyler had visited and finds that Project Mayhem has spread throughout the country. Marla and project members address the narrator as Mr. Durden, and he realises that he and Tyler are the same person.
0: Do you know how you know this film was filmed in 1999? The narrator could afford flying to all those freaking cities... (laughs) What the hell? How many times was he on a plane?
1: Okay, I can answer that, though, dude. <laughs> right? How many fucking jobs does Tyler Durden have? He must be That's a good millionaire. He must be
0: rolling in it.
1: <laughs> Not to mention he <laughs> had a pretty point. cushy job already. Exactly. That was a good then, one, actually. And then he fucking blackmailed the whole firm of his company to yeah, set exactly. up for life.
2: Un- un- unlimited assets. Don't make money off the soap. Don't forget that they created soap.
1: soap I mean, I can't imagine he's making a lot of money with the movie theatre, but doesn't he work as a waiter? He he does everything. Look, you've seen Limitless. (laughs) 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 Look how much you can get done. Uh, Mate, he's an an entrepreneur. Absolutely. Uh, Yes, it's during this part. I mean, we've discussed so much of the film because as we said at the beginning of this podcast, we had to discuss the twist in order to make any of the commentary makes sense and add up. So, you know, everything a lot of things that has happened in that passage that Ian just read, we've already taken into consideration. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. uh it's around this time where you start to see what Tyler is building with Fight Club. You know, he tells you it's a secret, but knows that you will tell people, people you trust, people you know could benefit and are on the same level as you spiritually, mentally. He knows that you'll bring him new recruits to radicalize. Absolutely. Manipulate, brainwash. And that's the whole
0: point. Absolutely. It's it's hilarious the fact that I remember reading somewhere, it's like the whole basis and the whole reason why Project Mayhem works, it's just as you said, Fight Club grows, but the whole purpose is if you don't talk about Fight Club, it would never have grown. So it's almost that fact that you knew that you can't talk about it was almost the reverse psychology that, oh, I'm definitely going to go talk about it, but to the correct people. It's, Mm. it's, it's nuts. Absolutely nuts. And like you said, it's funny. Um, I think I touched upon it earlier, like much earlier on the podcast where I mentioned how the whole, from the beginning, you aren't special, right? Uh, but at the same time, his mantra is almost juxtaposing because he's talking about how they need to do things differently and just, and just go outside the norm. When he when when they drive that car and he's just like just let go and then they crash and he's like, We just had a near life experience. Do you know what I mean? It's like that's 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 Tyler's whole mantra summed up. But at the same time, eventually it just brings you to Project Mayhem where you are nothing and you do just get told what to do. Much like mm. the complaint of normal
2: life. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of comparisons about especially I think the the um, the narrator even mentions it that this franchise is being built of Fight Club. <laughs> and it's just... But, but perfect example. You've nailed it.
0: You've nailed it. It's literally become like an incredible, <laughs> an incredible franchise. Almost the, oppo- the opposite of what they intended it to be. But yeah. also exactly what they intended it to be because
2: like you said, Tyler was building an army. So the one scene I wanted to focus on in this, uh, and it's going to be bringing out my first award. I'm going to be giving a Monty Python award uh, for this where there's one scene where I can't get it out of my head. If, if you've all seen Life of Brian, it's when he opens his window and there's a lot of people that are now believing that he is, you know, the Messiah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was Fight Club with with the narrator when he's around um, Robert Paulson's body. And he's like, he has no name. He's like, no, he has a name. He's like, yes, yes. <laughs> now he has he a name. Has a name. In, In death, he has a, a name. name. He has a name. <laughs> he's like, he we're all individuals. Yes, we are all individuals. We've no. Imagine the narrator's just losing his mind at that point where he's not like...
0: telling and
3: he's a really naughty boy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly that. It, that bit to me almost like makes me laugh. Where it's just him looking at them. Now that we know and we're in on it, that scene is almost just like a bit of a comedy skit for me. Where it's, it's just like he's looking not... at them all like. The fuck are you saying? <laughs> Never mind that Marla sugar tart. <laughs> the narrator learns that Tyler plans to raise debt by destroying buildings containing credit card records. He tries to warn Marla, but she does not believe him. He goes to the police and is threatened by officers who reveal they are members of Project Mayhem. Tries to escape... Uh, and then disarm the explosives in one building, but is subdued by Tyler and held at gunpoint on the top floor. The narrator realises that it's actually himself who is holding the gun, and he fires the weapon in his own mouth, blowing a hole through his cheek. Uh, Tyler stands motionless, uh, smoke coiling from his head, and then collapses and vanishes. Marla arrives, being brought by project members, uh, and finds the narrator badly wounded, but alive. He tells her that she met him at a very strange time, in his life, which they hold hands and watch as the buildings around them explode. Oh. Great song. Yeah. <laughs> There's some bangers
0: then in this Then, giant penis. Yeah.
1: That's what I meant. Some real bangers <laughs> in this film. <laughs> what did you think I, I like was talking was, about?
0: I feel like this film had real balls, you know? <laughs> it was ballsy.
1: You know, Ed Norton takes a lot of punishment in this third act, and I'm going to throw out the Highlander Award. Um, (laughs) The only way to kill Ed Norton is chopping off his fucking head. The the amount of damage he takes in this fucking film. The car wreck that he survives, multiple beatings that would have left any other person brain dead. He's clearly broken his neck, being thrown down the stairs, and to top it all off, he shoots shoots himself in the
0: face! face. (laughs) It's so funny, because I was just like, look, I mean I love it, but no one's surviving no one's surviving, no one surviving no. this. No one's no, surviving one this. one broken bone. Not one broken bone. Absolutely not. And he's just like, oh on the strange time. And then by the time he finishes, <laughs> he's actually he's actually talking normally.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Being just, poetic and shit. You mean
0: exactly, like, no, <laughs> Absolutely not. There's no way. Although the scenes with that they did, and I still I don't know how they did that. Like I should probably should have done research into it. But when he's like dragging himself, and you see it through CCTV.
1: Yeah, I don't get
0: it. Man, I've, I've, that's, I've looked into it. It's
1: so good. How is he dragging? You know, like when he's so getting pulled good. by his hair. Absolutely are we just? Are we crazy. just being really naive? There must be some really. Um, maybe, easy stuff I, I, maybe, there's, probably, there's probably a guy. He's probably, probably being dragged on wires.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Either that, or there's maybe a guy dressed in green or something, and they're just taking
1: him. Out. I don't know, but it's 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 brilliantly done. It's so well done. It cements my feelings about Marla in this film, said she, in a film where there are no other female characters, uh, she is forever the damsel in distress. I mean, she starts off actually with her own agency. Yeah. She's there for a reason that's her own reason, and she's not going to be scared off by the narrator asking her to leave. That's talking about when we're at the, um, all those meetings. But yeah. then she just becomes Tyler's plaything. Uh, she is constantly asking to be saved from suicide attempts, from her own loneliness, from her own, um, bipolar, uh, attitude towards her life. And then he puts her on a bus. And the next time you see her, he, she's being hustled back into the room by thugs. She had no arc. Her arc was just useless in this film. Um, which would be my only criticism, I think, of the characters in general. I think she was there purely
0: she was there purely for the almost enhancement of the narrator's character and how yeah which is what
1: which is what annoys me yeah I mean to make sense because
0: the closer he got to accepting Tyler the worse him and Marla got right the more he rejected Tyler not that the necessarily got closer but the more Say onus or importance or understanding he had with Marla.
1: Do you know what yeah, you? Uh, yeah. She she was his only link to any form of humanity because the Fight Club. Um, the other the other Fight Club members aren't obviously Tyler's in his imagination. She was the only thing. Whoever he really is, mm-hmm. uh, she was his only tangible link yeah. to to the real world. And I, ju- you know, she didn't develop, and we didn't see why. We didn't see I mean they just had a sadistic you know sort of hedonistic relationship built on pleasure. She was getting attached clearly, I don't know why I don't know if it was just because she, she made it out like she just liked that his mysteriousness or you know the fact that he was great in bed, but I don't see I didn't see any character development in her that brought out anything in him. It's almost just by chance that he discovers he's Tyler you know when she she happens to say she calls him tyler he was already pretty suspicious when the guy in the behind the bar said i saw you last week mr turden you know like yeah
0: yeah i know i think i think in a film with with there's so much going on and there's so much to do it's like it would to, to add another character and another growth and arc on that would have been would have been way too much and in the end like i said the reason in essence, like we said, the only reason her character was there was because of that link to his humanity that kind of stuck. And not only did it stuck, kind of his development, which Marla was the litmus test for. So in a weird way, yes, she definitely didn't develop, but she was the litmus test for where he mm. was at in a weird way. That makes sense? And that was, unfortunately, that, that surely was her role,
1: that, blatantly, because there was no one else that could do that in the film. Well, this film definitely doesn't pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> So the, the, film, the film ends with Tyler's plan actually going ahead, all the credit card debts being yep. reduced back to zero. And I'm sorry, but I'm going to throw out a Fast and Furious Award. The Fast and <laughs> Furious Award is defying the laws of physics. Those domed glass windows would have imploded <laughs> by the force of those demolitions happening across the street. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh.
0: Yeah, pretty much, pretty Fair. much. I, for me, for well, me, I was just like, it, it, like it happened, right, and and the, the plan still goes ahead. So it's like, and again, it kind of, I had that kind of feeling of, like, what, what, what now? Like, what, like, what, what, what was the movie saying in the end after all of that? It kind of left a bit of a question mark
2: for me. Mm. I wonder how lost it is as well with the technology we have now where you blow up the buildings. It's like, those buildings ain't got shit. Like, it don't matter if you blow them. The <laughs> it <up." literally laughs> it's was in like, how's he going to get to the club? Um, He's <laughs> it, it's it's like, like, it's, it's like, all you've done is stop a few people from going to work on
0: Monday. He's like, really? <laughs> Everyone is just going to go use their freaking Apple Watch to go pay for everything anyway. He doesn't <laughs> even need
1: funny. plastic anymore. <laughs> no, yeah, but what it was saying was that no one had any debts. Mm. Which to me sounds pretty sweet. I mean, so what? Not- as in, like, that was the massive reset. Yeah, it was so it was okay, resetting perfect. all the it, it was a building that contained and I don't know if this is science fiction or not but some kind of um you know ed server that had a server yeah. that had all the uh, credit card transactions which told the the credit card companies who owed them what. So back those to fun,
3: our
0: back to our original statement then 100% then this film is a massive advertisement for cryptocurrency. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Way ahead of its time. Chuck, Chuck Chuck Palahniuk was uh was well ahead of his time. I hope he invested in Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, probably has. He, he still, probably has. He still probably sat on paper. <laughs> did did you did you gentlemen know that Fight Club did have two sequels? No. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because I was literally looking
0: up um Fight Club three, which was a comic book, apparently. But I was like, so uh, it's got to be a number two as well. As was, as was books. Fight Club two. Yeah. Oh, nice. So yeah,
1: Fight Club was followed by the two sequels uh, in comic book form, all written by Paul and Nick. Uh, So Fight Club 2 came out in 2016. What? And I didn't get past the first issue, but I have since read up on what happened. Set 10 years after the ending of Fight Club, the sequel is told from the restrained perspective of Tyler Durden as he sits in the subconscious of Sebastian, the real name of the narrator of the original Fight Club. Sebastian continues his dysfunctional relationship with Marla and has fallen into the mundane routine of society until Tyler reemerges to cause chaos. I'm I'm
0: I'm reading through like you know the Wikipedia notes, right? Fight Club Two, Issue Four, (laughs) and all I can see is at the compound, ties between ISIS and Project Mayhem are revealed when a (laughs) member of Project Mayhem is given his assignment as an ISIS suicide bomber implying that Tyler is behind ISIS as part of his desire to destabilize
1: the Middle East. What? The actual hell? Dude, it's so fucked that Paul and Nick goes ultra metaphysical, and he adds himself to the story, and gets shot in the head by Tyler.
3: What?
0: <laughs> what? Yeah. Global dis- global dis- uh,
1: global Anakin destabilization is basically what they-
0: wow, okay.
1: All I know about Fight Club 3, which came out in 2019, is this. Because there's no other information you can find on it unless you have the comics. Marla Singer is about to deliver her second child, but the father isn't her husband. It's his alter ego, Tyler Durden.
0: How how there could be a Fight Club 3 after some of the stuff I'm... I'm, I know. Right Club! The writers (laughs) of Right Club are no help whatsoever. Like, Marla and her growing army of child soldiers track her son to a mountain stronghold and lays siege. What is <laughs> happening? Tyler takes Sebastian on a dreamland tour to, explore, to explain human history and the new future, rise or die, has planned. Sebastian, it would seem, is, the on- is only the latest man in many generations to have his life steered and destroyed by Tyler. Tyler spreads like a virus. He's passed down from generation to generation and now that Junior has Tyler in him, he no longer needs Sebastian.
1: This really is the Matrix Resurrection what? of What This books. is, it, it is, I, I, yeah,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna choose to, 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 to not have them exist. <laughs> it shows sequels. you, like,
1: like, take the reins off. I, I, I have no idea. I literally just found that out because you, because you've read it to me. So I have no idea the, the context behind what, what drove Paul and Nick to, to write that. But all I can tell you is that it might be a very good example of what happens when you let the writer, Go fucking off the rails, absolutely. and why people don't get enough credit to the studios for reining them in. <laughs>
0: it's a good point. It's totally a good point.
1: So everyone's like, "Oh, the studio are interfering too much." I'm like, "Do you know what would happen if the writer was left with just his quill and no oh, interference, true. no restraint whatsoever?" True, true. God, <laughs> like that's well, absolutely look, crazy. George Lucas, you know, case in point: Jar Jar Binks. That's what happens. <laughs> Exactly. exactly. He said, I'll fund these movies by myself. What What do I need? Gungans. Oh my god. Um, so we're going to go ahead and if everyone's ready, we're going hit, to uh, hit the scoreboard. So we each give a score out of 10, maximum score of 30. Uh, our scores are based on how much we enjoyed the movie, of course. And there is a caveat to each score, which comes in the form of a bollocks card. Um, Funny enough, and maybe this is a testament to how good the
2: movie actually is. No bollocks
1: <laughs> cards were thrown this entire review,
2: but it was all bollocks. This is the thing. How do you call it <laughs> out? It's just, just that crazy. Quite literally, being bollocks <laughs> cards
0: in the actual film twice.
1: <laughs> We've been gaslit the entire time. So, like, how could we possibly? Yeah. Um, well, either way, we. You would, so, for for any new listeners, we would normally. Uh, have thrown a couple of bollocks cards. We each get three bollocks cards to throw um, in a uh, in, in a single review. Uh, you don't have to throw all of them, but if you want to, you can, and we deduct those off of the final uh, scores. So, um, with that all said and done, Ian, do you want to go first? Yeah, I think yeah. I was okay. just thinking
2: that. So, um always was interested in this film i don't think the first times i ever watched it or watched parts of it um were like uh, watching it from beginning to end complete oh, i don't think i always remember kind of picking up little bits of it first so i had i was just interested in the fight club part of it to be honest i think that's always what really got got me into it um watched it multiple multiple times always remember enjoying it However I think, watching it this time through, um especially starting it seems so much harder, I think he seems it's so much darker and like really sort of grips you or what was getting to me with his description of the world, and just a a way you could look at everything just being so bad and depressing, and um I think i i when I paid more attention to realized that you're actually just hearing the narrator's view of the world and everything you're seeing and hearing is through the narrator's view. I think I enjoyed it more. Uh, I don't think I've ever paid as much attention to this film uh, as well doing this uh, watch through, which was great when you are seeing all the little details. Tyler popping up, trying to keep an eye out to see if he pops up again. Um, So really enjoyed the film. Ending's great. Twist is good. Actors, absolutely nailed it. I think everyone in this film was incredible. Meatloaf included. Absolutely loved it so um i'm going to be giving it a uh 8.5 this film was probably always on a pedestal because of
0: the way i watched it where you guys basically for the most part basically made me sit down and watch it and our house Joy street i sat down and watched it myself and then text you guys instantly and i remember thinking okay i know the themes etc and things are going to hold up and and fight club is was very much a favorite for so many many people but watching it now think the film is better like genuinely and it's so weird to see how it is probably more apt now than it was then in a weird way i think this is the type a film where if you released it now this film would would do wonders like genuinely and despite certain things like time jumps and things like that, because of what the film is trying to say, ultimately, you, you kind of let everything just go and it just works perfectly. And like you said, it hits on so many levels, even now. And despite all of that, can still have funny moments to still be entertaining. Um, I think the only thing I can kind of mark it down on for me personally, and I say mark it down even if it's going to be marked down is more the end um, in terms of the kind of what now. But that being said, it's still kind of that. It's still kind of, it's It's almost still that kind of alternative that we're looking for now in the form of like crypto and everything else. And we literally have companies, uh, companies countries now who have Bitcoin as their actual national currency. It's literally where we're at now, right? So because of that, because of the incredible acting, because of how much everyone nailed it um I'm I'm even going to let Jared Leto slide <laughs> just so he doesn't bring the film down I'm going for a 9 Ooh. nice
1: okay so for me I, I look at the film in 1999 uh, on paper this this could have gone horribly wrong it could have been uh miss could have been misdirected it could have been uneven uh, the tone could have been completely uh up and down uh and and the cast especially you know the cast that they might have got to do to do these roles um it it could have been a disaster it could have been something akin to oh i don't know like uh, matrix resurrections no uh, it, it could it's it, no it could be it, it could have been a much lesser film but because, and I mentioned this in the review, Ed Norton gives the career performance of a lifetime by giving us a a performance where you just don't believe that this character could be as crazy as he needs to be um, to, to, to see the twist coming. And then when you do see the twist, you think, fucking hell, yeah, I totally and utterly missed that, and I'm an idiot for missing it. You know, he just does everything spot on. Uh, Brad Pitt is perfect in the role. He was born to play Tyler Durden. And it's a testament that at this this time in his career, he was taking on roles that his agent must have been fucking fuming about. (laughs) True. So true. You know, he was playing uh, a nut job in 12 Monkeys, a nut job in Californication, a nut job in Fight Club. He was playing a fucking... Irish, a bare knuckle, bare knuckle, knuckle boxing champion of yeah. Fight Club. He was, you know, it wasn't until Ocean's Eleven hit with they like, snatch. Right, here's you and his. His. What did I say? Fight Club. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, no, yeah, p- played Mickey in in fight in uh, Snatch, and then it wasn't until Ocean's Eleven where you're just like, finally, put him in a suit and you know, yeah, exactly, exactly. Let, yeah. let him be uh, slick and whatever. He was just a. He had no. He had no compunction of. Of doing these, these roles that... I mean, look, at the time, Fight Club was a good disaster um, financially. True. Exactly. Exactly that. You know, and Snatch was an independent film. Exactly. These, these movies grew in stature over time because people realized how fucking incredible and intelligent they were. And that is in no short order to do with Brad Pitt. I mean, mm-hmm. we've, in our podcast before, we've reviewed films like The Departed. Most people wouldn't even know Brad Pitt was an executive producer on that film. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, the guy is—he like, is absolutely out of this world. But anyway, enough enough uh, about his dick. Um, about <laughs> the film, I, I, I just I just love this film. Everything about it is—if it was ve- relevant back then, it's a hundred times more relevant today. I said it before, except for you know, no mobile phones or, or the lack of normal mobile phones. This movie looks like it could have been set yesterday. I absolutely. think it's absolutely incredible. And the only reason why I'm not going to give it a ten is because of said departed being the film that I still think is a better film. Therefore, it can't be ten. So I'm going to give it a nine point five. Nice, respectable. I completely i can I can understand that. Hundred percent. Sorry, Ian, it's not
2: three hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it was it weren't far off. <laughs> hmm. Do you
1: gentlemen want to know? Where this movie now stands in our top ten. Yes. I do. Well, I think what's best to do is recap our top ten. Yeah. So in tenth place from last series is the diabolical Superman Returns <laughs> mm-hmm. which led with an astonishing eight out of thirty. And I think anyone fingers. I think the anyone that can fingers. has a basic concept of maths knows that it will no longer be in our top ten after this episode is finished. Um, Number 9, X-Men 3, with an 11.5 out of 30. Number 8, The Girl Next Door, 17.5 out of 30. Wow, that's quite a jump. This is a bit... It it tells you how much we hated those bottom two films. Oh, man.
0: Superhero Mm. films as well. Like, our bread and butter. You know what I mean? Maybe that's why why we judged them so harshly.
1: (laughs) Yeah, man. Um, So, then we went to number 7, which was Hitch. 20.5 Twenty point five out of thirty, another jump. Uh, number six, which I still think is a, is the travesty of the podcast so oh, far. You're gonna say Training, training Day? Oh man, this one, this one, this one hurts. 20, this one hurts. Twenty two point five out of thirty. That's nuts. Much better film than that. Uh, number five is Snatch with twenty three out of thirty. Number four is Hot Fuzz with twenty four point five out of thirty. Number three is Three Hundred Fucking Hell. <laughs> I'd almost uh, forgot.
3: Yeah, travesty
1: in all the wrong ways. Uh, 25 out of 30. And then we have joint one and two. The Departed and the Dark Knight together at 26 out of 30. And the reason why we have done it this way, why we've read it back to front, because if you are pretty good with your maths, you could tell that we are about to have a new number one. Oh my lord. With 27 out of 30, Uh, Fight Club takes the top
2: number one. Wow! I will say, I, I don't know if we can pull up the game statistics, but this film just couldn't get a bollocks card. There's, that's where what, do you do it? it? I think that, that's it, what has peaked that is, it.
0: That is, that, has, that is actually what's done it's it. It's broken what's our
2: system it. where it's like, well, he's got an insomnia. Of course, time can just disappear. <laughs> oh, <he's laughs> talking bullshit. Of course he is. He's fucking talking to himself. Do you know what the funny thing is?
0: It's is probably because of the content of Fight Club and the very fact that it's all about breaking the system that it literally broke the system. Because yeah. like you said, you can just be like, like you said, he's, he he blacked out. He was blacked out when he did it. Just like (laughs) you can't, you can't give the film bollocks card because it's all about the bollocks.
1: It it, it wins like the bollocks award. The bollocks (laughs) award. like the positive bollocks award yeah. <laughs> there
2: what, is one what was its total score so was it one point over one point one, one point full point 27 Seven. out 30 to oh, one bollocks gonna, card would have brought it down that's really yeah. hard to beat and that it survived gonna, without a single bollocks to card
0: that is gonna be really hard to beat
1: so um this was not planned this was completely spontaneous in our first episode of season two of back to the pictures fight club takes top spot
0: it, um, it, it has, like watching that film again. Like, it took me three hours. Three hours to watch that film.
1: Oh it's God. taken us six hours to record the
0: podcast. I'm doing that. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly that. There's just
1: so much. Ooh. So much. So it's almost that time where we need to make like Keaton and Buster, but we need to decide what our next movie is going to be for episode two of season two. Uh, As we did last season, uh, except for that final episode of the season, which was The Dark Knight, which we picked by consensus, we always uh, play a little game of roulette with uh, a bunch of sound files. These files contain quotes to some of the movies, well, most of the movies we watched when we were at university together, and they have been numbered uh, anonymously from 1 to 30. And each week I will ask one of my co-hosts to pick a number from 1 through 30 and we'll keep adding to the you know the pot so there will always be 30 and whichever number they pick we will reveal to you and us all at the same time what the movie is going to be so with that in mind uh anton do you want to pick a number out of a 14 please bob 14
3: Oh, Ch- oh, Charlie. Charlie,
0: Charlie, and, Charlie and the Ch-
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What?
0: Yeah, this was on the <laughs> list. Oh my god. Oh wow. Yeah. There's probably listeners who got that straight away and lost yeah, their minds. Weirdness. I was just like, what romantic comedy is this? <laughs> I, I
2: kept thinking <laughs> Wizard of Oz. I was like, Wizard of Oz?
1: Wizard of Oz? Just... I absolutely. This is going to this is going to be a an incredibly divisive episode because this is like my favorite film of all time. That's that's <laughs> madness. <laughs> that's I
0: crazy. I love this film. I know uh, you do, I know you do but, but that's crazy. Whereas For me I it's just, like I'm like
1: that <laughs> yeah. would there, there, there is a lot you can say about this film. This is going to be a really, really funny episode, I think. Do you know what? Yeah, yeah.
0: Nah, I'm, I'm with this. I'm, I'm with this. This is this is so kind of left field for us, right? Yeah, it's out of our I comfort it zone. Be,
1: absolutely. I, I think it would be, be a great one to do, genuinely.
2: So, with that in the bag, it just leaves me to thank my co-hosts. Ian? What kind of dining set defines me as a person? <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's that. shit. That's
0: why do I feel that that one actually applies to him (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's brilliant
1: anyway um, this also leads me to thank my other co-host Anton stop trying to control everything and just let go let go again I think Anton's referring to something that our viewers will have nothing will have no concept of he's talking to an Airbnb host (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as if you knew I had chosen yes yes from Tewksbury <laughs> who shall remain nameless oh god wench <laughs> absolutely
0: I could not go I could not not go with that line now
1: <laughs> perfect well remember kids your futures haven't been written yet no one's has your next picture is whatever you make it so make it a good one